He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney. He is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. Oh, what a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, October 23, 2021. Man, I have an embarrassment of riches for you today. And the beauty of podcasting is you can skip ahead to whatever part you like. The Troubadour delivers once again. Wonderful song called Wings of a Rocket. It's all delineated, the time breaks. And I bring it up because we have Mike Landis on. Mike Landis, who's a headliner, he was a big news anchor in Colorado and elsewhere, but people remember him in Denver because he was on top-rated Channel 9 for the better part of two decades. Mike Landis still working in his mid-70s. We will catch up with him, and it gets a little political as we talk about Texas, but it gets real political with Scott McGinnis. Yes, Congressman Scott McGinnis, my, oh my, do we go back? We have an affinity for each other, yet we've tangled, and I've been in the middle of some episodes that have been destructive for his career. He wanted to be Colorado governor. He came on my radio show, and as Mike Litwin, my colleague at the Colorado Sun, describes it, he committed a me-KO. You remember plagiarism? Uh, charities, this, that, the other. Dan Mays ended up getting the Republican nomination. Tancredo came in. Scott went back to Mesa County, but he did not disappear. He became a Mesa County commissioner. And now he's in the middle of this storm involving clerk and recorder in Mesa County, Tina Peters. Tina Peters, who says the Dominion, yes, that Dominion, Dominion Voting Systems, used to be in the building downtown, the old spaghetti factory, till they got chased out by the unsubstantiated claims of Joe Oldman and the team behind him. Who's the team behind him? Well, I think it extends pretty far. Credible reporting, Seth Abramson said, and he's got pictures that Joe Oldman was there at the Willard Hotel with Steve Bannon, Steve Bannon, Roger Stone, the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers. Anyway, I think this gets pretty deep because the big lie led to January 6th, and the big lie is based on the claim that the election was rigged against Donald Trump. Right. The biggest cheater in American history, Donald Trump cheats at golf, cheats on his wives, cheats on everybody, but no, he's the guy who's going to be cheated. You talk about language in reverse. Now he's got social media called truth. Anyway, you know how I feel, but you probably don't know this Tina Peters story, and you don't know how Scott McGinnis feels. If you want, skip right to the Scott McGinnis part right now. It's probably five or six minutes in front of this intro, but I'm going to give you a taste of what's to come because at the back of this show, I think I have put it all together. Because let me tell you, the sound I've consumed for your benefit, and I give you the highlights. 
for one, I found out that Randy Corcoran went on Lindell TV just the other day. And I've got the sound of him really as a surrogate for Joe Altman spewing the nonsense and doing it on Lindell, Mike Lindell, My Pillow TV. Have you ever heard of Lindell TV? Well, it's part of the enterprise. It's part of the big lie. It's like Steve Bannon, and Steve Bannon, he puts out podcasts an incredible amount. I listen sometime. I want to know what he's up to, and man, it gets pushed to me with regularity. And one of the regular guests is Jack Posobiec, who's taken over the once prestigious magazine, now just website, Human Events, and he's been called out by the Anti-Defamation League as a bigot. And you can read all about that, P-O-S-O-B-I-E-C, and he was entertained as a featured speaker at Colorado Christian about a week ago, despite Jeff Hunt and the people over there being told about this guy's background. He's anti-vax, he's pro-big lie, and who introduced him? Randy Corcoran. And he said some surprising things with bigotry not just aimed at the usual targets, blacks, Jews, gays, trans, but Catholics too. Wow, it's just like the Klan. Remember how the Klan, the KKK, hated Jews, blacks, and Catholics? I never quite understood it, but apparently it has something to do with we're the real Christians, you're not, you're in a cult or whatever. Look, it gets confusing, but I can tell you that Tina Peters, right when I'm sitting down with Scott McGinnis, who wanted to talk about Tina Peters, he did not want to talk about Donald Trump. He did not want to talk about January 6th at the Capitol. He wants to talk about what happened at our state Capitol, which was bad. And people who were on the left, Black Lives Matters protests got out of hand and state Capitol got destroyed. And Scott wanted to talk about that. And he wasn't really interested in talking about January 6th, but he did want to talk about Tina Peters because he's a commissioner out there and there are some reasonable Republicans. Scott McGinnis, my God, whatever you think of him, so much better than Lauren Boebert. He didn't want to talk about Lauren Boebert either. You'll hear all of this. But boy, he wanted to talk about Tina Peters. And right when I'm interviewing Scott McGinnis, guess what's happening? Tina Peters is breaking her silence and going on an extended interview with a guy at the Fox channel in Grand Junction. And I've got the sound. Here's a little taste. I've committed no crime. I took an image, a before and an after image. You know, there is no crime in that. And if I choose to have someone come in to do that, we have people, vendors and different people come in all the time to do different things. You know, I don't have, I'm the clerk. I don't have to ask permission for somebody to do that. Um, you know, if I see a real threat, it's not only my obligation, but it's my duty as the clerk, uh, and in this case, to preserve election records. You, you mentioned being in there to take the pictures. Why is there confusion over whether or not one of the people in the room during that time was or was not an employee? How is there confusion over that sort of thing? You know, I, I, I don't want to get into that because it is an active investigation. But, you know, the, 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 the bottom line is 
what was done, thank God it was done. Otherwise, we would have no idea 29,000 election files were deleted off of the Mesa County Citizen server. We would have no idea that these, these I've been told for years that these, um, these devices are not connected to the internet, and they are. So there you get a taste of Tina Peters. Thank God. Thank God I did what I did because 29,000 deleted files. And other countries can manipulate things because it's connected to the Internet. This is the big lie on steroids, and it involves Dominion machines. So you attack Eric Coomer in Denver, and then you get an ally in Grand Junction, a clerk and recorder who's full-on Trumpian, big lie, Mike Lindell kind of stuff. She went to that Mike Lindell symposium, and he had her for about a month. God knows what she's thinking now, but I know who's allied with her. It's that Joe Oldman, who just the other day on his own podcast repeated the same kind of thing that you just heard out of Tina Peters' mouth. These are not people that are being held because they did something wrong. No, they had a redress of grievances. They went to the Capitol. They wanted them to look into the election fraud, which there's mounting massive amounts of evidence. I don't want you to hear anyone say there's no evidence. There's 5,000 affidavits. There's images that show that they deleted files. They did everything. The most damning is what they did in Mesa County, which is they erased everything. They erased everything. Then you have the famous Eric Coomer saying, don't worry about it, Trump's not going to win, I made effing sure of it. So you have it all. You have all of the pieces that show. And by the way, the problem is not just Dominion voting systems. They all are interconnected. They all have people that flow from one organization to the other. It's all a part of this ability to steal or this desire to steal the vote or voice of the American people. And people want to act like we're stupid. We're not stupid. We're not stupid. Okay. If you say so. But when you start talking about the insurrectionists on January 6th, he said these are not people being held because they, they were doing something wrong. And if you listen to that podcast, and I did to get a flavor, they say the, the police held the doors open. Haven't you seen the pictures? And why are these people being persecuted? Who used that word persecuted? That was Donald Trump. But I want to point out before we get to Scott McGinnis, something about the bigotry against Catholic people that is part of this white supremacy movement. And Catholics, you better get aware of it. Listen to Joe Altman on that same podcast, Call Out the Pope, because to him, he's a commie, Catholics are commies, you can't trust him. That's a common theme that's emerging. A lot of common themes emerging. How in the world do you have a pope that comes out and says, I want to make an argument of why we should have communism. That's an infiltration. That right there is the devil at work. And if you think that communism at any point is good for this country or any other country, I, I can promise you the only thing it's good for at this point is China creates an entire group of slave labor, entire group. Give all your money to the government. They get to tell you how much you can keep. They set up different ways or credits that you can get in order to keep more of your income and take more of somebody else's income. It's, it's a system by which everyone sucks. Everyone sucks. And if you think that the United States can live through it, if you think you can live through it, man, they're already taking the First Amendment. 
They're making it so that we chase our tails and go put up stuff on different places. They're coming for the second. Once they take our guns away, what's left? What's left, Max? What's left? I want to know what's left. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. And that's what we're up against right now in our country. That's what we're up against. We, we're, not, we're not going to get in a civil war. We're already in it. And it's not a warm war. It's a hot war. Okay, Joe. You're a genius calling out the Pope and saying we're in a civil war, a hot war. I guess anything goes in love and war. And a lot of people believe that you made up that story about infiltrating an Antifa call. And I was at that hearing in courtroom 409 when they displayed Altman's deposition when he couldn't explain in the slightest how he infiltrated such a call or who gave him access. He said some guy named R.D. Anyway, back to the bigotry against Catholics, which is a part of it. Randy Corcoran was there introducing and praising, lauding Jack Posobiec, just like he does with Altman. I'm not going to play it now, but when he goes on Mike Lindell TV, he says, this guy, Altman, was a great businessman, so successful, never involved in politics before, but he saw this, he saw that. Not time out. When Altman made his big splash on the Peter Boyles show, he told Peter Boyles, hey, I've been doing this conservative daily podcast. I've been a host there for 11 years. 11 years as host with that guy, Max McGuire, just running a far-right radical, in my opinion, podcast. And they do it for money. My God, the things they sell on that site including access to General Mike Flynn, just go to their website, Conservative, Conservative Daily. Yet Corpin goes on Lindello, he's a businessman, and he never was political, and this and that. But back to Corpin with this accused bigot, Jack Posobiec, who's always part of Steve Bannon's podcast and his own enterprises, Human Events, uh, magazine, now a website. Listen to Posobiec at Colorado Christian. Just about a week ago, they do a Q&A with Corbin reading the questions from the crowd. And somebody asks about their daughter went to a Jesuit college and now she's messed up. And you can't believe what Posobiec has to say. Give it a listen. All right, our youngest daughter, 24, used to know God, has graduated from a Jesuit university and I would say is very woke. What can we do, say, or invite her to read and watch that would open her eyes to the lies? Older folks like us really don't know where to direct our young folks. Wow, so, okay, I mentioned this, our, we covered the Jesuits once before tonight, um, but you know, first, first and foremost, don't trust Jesuits. Never trust Jesuits. Jesuits. That's, that's, just, that's just fair. Say it again. Don't trust Jesuits. Wow. I mean, I just have never heard anybody from a stage say something quite like that, and I don't pretend to know the source of the bigotry, but there it was on full display. I've got to tell you, it was a thrill to talk to Scott McGinnis, because We've had an up-and-down relationship, as you're about to hear. If you were to Google my name and his, you will see that we had a lot of interesting encounters that were recorded in the papers, and we didn't go through that because he knows about it, and I know about it. 
and that's Water Under the Bridge from about 10 years ago. And I'm dedicated to America, and I don't want the big lie to prevail. And I think Donald Trump's behind it all, but Republicans can't say that or they're excommunicated, right? But they can watch out for their own community, and that's what Scott McGinnis is doing, calling out Tina Peters. And he came on my show with an agenda to say his piece about Tina Peters, and not much more. We chatted, we chatted. A lot of interesting names came up. And in retrospect, I thought, gosh, maybe I should have pounded him about Trump or this or January 6th. How would you vote? Steve Bannon, subpoena, rule of law. Come on, Scott, you're a lawyer. You're an ex-cop. I carried a badge. Anyway, we had that affinity, but you can hear in the interview he was not going to go there. But launch on Tina Peters, he did. Wait till you hear Mike Landis. He's great, our troubadour. And then I've got all this sound together. And you've just gotten a taste right now. But I'm writing a column about Tina Peters. I want to give you more Tina Peters sound. I want to give you more Pesobiac with Corcoran. And my God, you got to hear the highlights of Randy Corcoran on Mike Lindell TV. And the hostess on it, she says... Hey, tell us about that court case. Oh, I hope you win. I mean, there are no hard questions, but Randy Corcoran takes the ball and he runs with it for that crowd, that Christian-oriented crowd. And boy, Corcoran's got his Christianity on display. And I think there's a Christian component to all of this, but I don't know. I know a lot of good Christians are fighting against the big lie, but... You'll hear my observations as you listen to the show. And please tune in to the very end of the show because I'm going to put all these sound bites together and I think you will understand things better. I do, and I want to record it. Thank you for listening. Here's former United States Representative Six Terms from the Western Slope, Scott McGinnis. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. <laughs> now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at MBLaw. LLC.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Good morning. Oh, my goodness. Scott McGinnis. It's so good to talk to you again. Somebody told me you moved to New York or California. I said, it figures. He forgot where the West Slope was. That's where heaven is. But he decided to go try those liberal states. Now, we're going to start talking trash to each other, but I'm going to concede that Western Colorado is beautiful, 
even if a little misguided politically, but I have a nephew. I have a nephew who is down in uh, Delta County, Orchard City. Yeah, sure. What's what's he doing down there? He's uh, he's got some tiny homes there, and he's living down there, and he's making. Who knows? Maybe he'll meet a girl and settle down on the western slope. How about that? Well, I mean, since he has your DNA in it, I would consider that a very positive uh, addition to the western slope. I've been thinking a lot about you getting ready for this interview, and I hope you've been doing the same. And I've been thinking about all the reasons that I like you. And we had an affinity, and one of them is in my house prominently displayed, which is an American flag you gave me one day. We did a lot of radio back in the day on 630 How, And one yeah. day you honored me with a flag from the capital of the United States. Man, that was something. Well, that, uh, I tell you, it was a privilege to serve uh, in the U.S. Congress. And, you know, I... Uh, left the Congress. I wanted to spend a little more time with the family and things, but it wasn't without withdrawal pains, that's for sure. I think another reason demonstrating that you like to serve the public your whole life has been about that is you carried a badge for a while, and I did as a prosecutor in Denver a little longer than you as a cop in Glenwood Springs, but then you became a lawyer, and we had that in common too. So uh, I just think that we had an affinity for each other. Do you think that's true? Well, that's right. Plus, I don't know about you, but I'm old enough I don't have to pay for my inactive status anymore. I looked that up, and your bar number is ahead of mine, and that's becoming increasingly rare. But I'm active. I've never <laughs> given up my day job. I've made one foray into politics trying to be Denver DA running as an independent candidate. Maybe you remember that in 1996. No, I I didn't remember the year, but I remember that you did, yes. Right, and then you were fixing to take on Bill Ritter when he was governor, so we had that in common, too. But... Oh, yeah. And, uh, gosh, and time, you know, time goes on. i tell you who I spent a day with the other day was uh, Ben Campbell. Ben's doing just great. Well, wow. he, he and I went to a truck show down in Utah. We actually met up at the truck store. You know, he went out and had a... A custom-made semi built for himself was a in the the trailer he had customized, and I'll tell you it was one of the most beautiful semi. The cab it's probably one of the nicest ones at this whole truck show. But anyway, we had a great time. He and Linda are doing fantastic, and um, it was good to uh, spend time with him. That's amazing, and a lot of people are thinking about him because Joe Manchin, who seems to be the holdout among the Dems. There's rumor that he might switch parties. He said bullshit to it, but who knows? He's from West Virginia where the GOP is pretty popular. So the last senator I remember switching was Ben Campbell. You must have been you were right in the mix of it then. Were you in Congress and and what yeah. was what bring us back to those days? Well, you know, well, first of all, there was and there was another senator and help me with my memory. I can't remember whether it was before Campbell or after Campbell, where the Republicans and the Democrats had a one. Right. Or maybe it was a 50 50. And then it started with a J, his last name, I think. Um, anyway. Yeah, but he's probably he from New England. I barely yeah. remember. Maybe yeah, Jeffries or something. But he 
the, the balance got switched, and my buddy Tim Timkovich, who I went to Colorado College with, was nominated by George W. Bush to be on the federal bench, and it got held up because of that switcheroo, which meant that Tim Co. got to make a lot of money in private practice while he was waiting to be on the bench, and now he's been there a long time, because we're talking way back when, but it's kind of relevant to what's going on today. The country is so closely divided. What was going on back then, Scott? You were in the middle of it. Well, I, I don't think there was any kind of sudden event that, that uh, and of course I can't speak for Ben, but that, that occurred. I think it was just, um, you know, over a period of time. And, and the uh, of course, it, the Democrats at that time weren't nearly as progressive as were liberal or way off to the left as they are today, or at least they didn't have that kind of presence in the U.S. Senate. But still, it was significant enough that, you know, Colorado back then was fairly conservative, and and uh, Ben always has had rural values, and um, so I think that really, really tugged at him. And um, but regardless, when he was a Democrat and a Republican, he had a a lot of accomplishments, and obviously he uh, his name is known across the country for achievements he made. I think he was the first Native American in the u.s senate or certainly and he was an people. olympic champion i mean how old oh, yeah. is he now i'm looking him up he was born in 1933 and he's out there gallivanting with you on the western slope how cool well, is that semi, driving his semi i mean that guy you know he's like an ever ready battery and and uh you know at the museum the pine at the native american museum and i may not have the title correctly on the mall in Washington, D.C., he's featured prominently in that. And his jewelry business, you know, he's, he and his uh, his daughter and his son, both his son and daughter have become very successful in the business world. And his daughter has a, a studio, uh, probably the most prominent uh, studio in Colorado, actually, art studio and things with the success of it in his jewelry making. And Linda... I tell you, Linda's a big part of that. Linda's a ranch girl out of Ridgeway. That's where she was born and raised and probably one of the most beautiful ranches in Colorado. Her parents was a working ranch. There's just a lot of neat things about the Campbells. And it was it was kind of fun. And of course, it was like two older fellas sitting in a rocking chair next to his cab while people came by and looked at it. All we paid attention to were the stories we were telling each other. We have some pretty good stories. I can imagine. Are you guys worried about America? I tell you something, I'll be real honest. I've never been this worried my entire life. And I'm most, most worried, not only the direction politically, but what's really got me concerned is we are asleep at the wheel militarily. China is going to, China has no ifs and ands or whatever that is about it. They want to dominate the world. We're a major problem form, but they are quickly making us an inconvenience instead of a threat. Well, we're kind of doing it to ourselves. Let's go back a little. Let's yeah. just dive into what's going on because your background is so unique and valuable, including the time you spent as a police officer. I wondered how you viewed the George Floyd situation. That was shocking, right? Wow. Well, I mean, I'm not that deep. I didn't study the case or anything, but um, I can tell you this. It's unfortunately when government has to step in, it almost always, almost always without exception, overreacts. 
So you have a bad situation. The government steps in. They overreact. They completely ignore certain uh, uh, lawlessness in our society. And then they go on this police reform thing. But Scott, 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 let me just back you up just one second. I mean, you're talking about the reaction to George Floyd. And I'm just talking about George Floyd because I did carry a badge for 16 years and I worked hand in hand with the Denver police and I admired them, still do. But I did not admire that Officer Chauvin with his knee on the guy's neck in Minneapolis and a major city in America. And so you have a bad cop. I get it. But then three other cops just don't do anything. And uh, that was shocking to me. And I I wonder if something has changed in police departments now. Well, one, I don't. I, I think there's been a lot of change in police departments, and I don't think it's been to the positive. All of it has, has been pretty negative uh, as far as this reform. On the other hand, of course, the worst thing for a good cop is a bad cop. The worst thing on a force you can have is a bad cop. Right. And you've got to get rid of them, and you got to get rid of them fast. But you've got to be careful that you don't overreact. And the question, I think, in that case is not so much for the defendant in that case, but the overre- was it an overreaction on the other three? And I don't know. I don't know the facts. All I know is the consequences of that uh, misdeed, and, and he was convicted and sentenced to 20 or 25, whatever it was. Right. The consequences of that, the government has clearly overreacted. And these governors and mayors that have said, well, we're not going to enforce this in California. You can go ahead and shoplift. Don't call us for a shoplifting, the morale in our police departments. But all of those problems are really overshadowing the major problem we face. And there's no question about it. And that is the military buildup of China. And very soon, mark my word. Right. No, well, well, let, let, we will definitely get to it because I want to pick your brain on a lot of this smart stuff. And you already said something real smart, which is the way we get into trouble is we have an act, bad act. Derek Chauvin putting his knee on George Floyd's neck, terrible. Then we have an overreaction. And then we have right. another overreaction. And once people start overreacting, it gets us in trouble. I've seen it in the legal system my whole life. Well, do you think the legal system is working right now? I mean, as you and Ben Campbell think about America, I'm worried about the rule of law a little bit. Are you? Well, of course, you got to have the rule of law, and that's that's um, what it's being is it's being uh, uh, applied not uniformly, but it's applied here and ignored there. And, uh, um, you know, I mean, I'll be honest with you. When I looked at our state capital and saw the destruction of our state capital, the capital where you and I worked and spent a lot of time together, that, that was the, the destruction in that. And I'm not sure anybody ever paid a dime in damage. I'm not sure anybody ever went and spent a day in jail. I may be wrong uh, for that. So conveniently, everybody overlooks that. But then jumps, you know, jumps over here and and uh, goes full bore in prosecution of a bad actor there. I think you have to go after all the bad actors. You've got to have uniformity, or you destroy you destroy the rule of law. I think you that's right. Yeah, and yes. and what happens is people say defund the police. All cops are bastards. I mean, then how do you think the cops are going to react? 
they're going to well, react. And, and then only a certain kind of person wants to be a cop. And there's less diversity of thought, politics, et cetera. So that's where we get in trouble as a society, right? Well, there's, there's, I mean, that's one of the problems. There's no question about that. But I can tell you that the people from almost the people that I read about or that I, some of mine know that uh, are, you know, kind of anti-cop, they're anti-cop until they need help themselves. And it's very clear. You look at the mayor of Chicago, for example, mm -hmm. she's the first one to call the police when protesters show up at her yard. They all live behind gates. Now, these are people that say we should have open borders or look the other way, which, by the way, in the next couple of days, we have 60,000 people showing up on the Texas border. Um, theoretically from Haiti, but from Honduras as well. And so they say, hey, we should have open doors. We shouldn't have fences. But you take a look at every one of them where they live personally, and you'll see a gate around it. Or you see the Pope at the Vatican. They have the highest walls around the Vatican of any country in the world. I mean, there's just a lot of hypocrisy. And, and that it, really it, it, yeah, but just remember the hypocrisy really undermines the rule of law. That's where you and I have to have sensitivity is because – Man, you can't have hypocrisy and have the rule of law work very effectively. Right. And when you get to the extremes of either party, we have a problem. You already castigated the Democrats for being way more progressive than back in the day when you served six terms in Congress. But I see a totally different GOP. And you are a Republican, right? You are Mesa County Commissioner. You've been doing that several terms now. Um, you're in the thick of it. Isn't the GOP a lot different than when uh, Ben Campbell switched to that party and, and you were a stalwart member of it? No, I don't think so. I think the core of the party, the neighbor, my neighbors, people I know that uh, uh, are Republican or un even conservative, unaffiliated, they haven't changed their views. But you did. this is very similar to what the Tea Party was 10 years ago or 12 years ago. And uh, at least, and and um, so no, I don't think the core has changed. But I think people very quickly, especially the Democrats or the opponents, very quickly try and label the entire Republican history and the Republicans or people that are registered as Republicans as some of these people that express very very extreme views. Or and and let me tell you. Uh, that, that's that's a minority. Just both parties face that. The Democrats faced it, um, and we faced it 12 years ago with the Tea Party. But it's being painted as the entire party. So no, I don't think the party has changed its core principles. I don't think it's changed its conservative economic views. I don't think it's changed um, um, the successes or or credit for the successes it's had. But I do think it's being uh, effectively painted as uh, you pick a few radicals and or a few people that have very extreme views, maybe not right, but very extreme views, and uh, paint the whole party that way. And that's what's, that's what's going on. Well, let's get back to that. But let's talk about those damn Democrats. I'm still happily independent, but I thought you had a pretty moderate Democrat win in Joe Biden. And it occurs to me that you roamed the Capitol with him for a long time. I bet you knew Joe Biden a little bit. Am I right? Uh, the answer to that, well, I wouldn't say, if I showed up, he wouldn't know my name. I can tell you that. But I bet um, you interacted with him. Well, no, of course I interacted with, you know, interacted with, 
you know, to the extent that you would be in, in the House and the Senate, he had quite an ego. So uh, it was it was difficult for him to accept that he would be, in my opinion, whether he could uh, um, talk to somebody as low as somebody in the House of Representatives. But that's but, but kind of isn't how I he felt. kind of moderate? I mean, I'm sure you worried about Bernie Sanders. I bet you knew him too. Well, and- I don't know. I I believe I served on the committee. I think Bernie was on Ways and Means. Mm-hmm. Wait, he was in the House, right? I know Bernie, but Bernie was so extreme in his views but now seem to be more of the norm with some of the uh, uh or it's being more accepted by the democratic but party he didn't, win. he didn't win biden won and now mansion really has control and biden is probably closer to mansion than he is to bernie sanders that'd be true but you also have the uh, senator out of Arizona. So you have two of them there that are fairly independent in their thinking. And um, uh, and thank goodness we do, because I'll tell you, if you take a look at the consequences to our agricultural community or to our small business community of these tax proposals, they're punitive. And it's not that they, they keep painting a picture that they're going after the billionaires. Well, they're going after the billionaires, but there's not a lot of them out there which means they got to reach very deeply into the middle class. And when you take a look at their step-up proposals or their interest-carrying proposals or their, you know, if a family makes more than $400,000, let me tell you, those aren't rich people. If you have a, and, and at first they said 400000 per person. Man, how, how, much is the, how much is the cost of living in Mesa County? How much do you make uh, well, as a commissioner, five hundred k or what? Yeah, I mean, you have a you have couples, and then they count your in. You know, if you sold a home, people have no idea what the consequences are going to be if they inherit a home, if they sell a home, what what's going to happen to them. And on top of that, some of the proposals put it in. You, you know, you have to count that as your income, where you move from a bracket under four hundred thousand to the bracket above four hundred, which is very punitive to a billionaire. It's no consequence. I mean, it's a consequence, but it's not, you know, it, it's not earth shattering. But it's still kind of, Scott, it's still kind of a rich man's problem, right? You're making over 400K a year, and then oh, you start no. getting taxed on the excess. I mean, I I just think that, it's, that, it's remarkable that Joe man. Biden, it used to be that, you had to promise we won't tax you if you make uh, 100K or less, but now it's 400K. My goodness, that's an appeal to working well, people. And keep in mind that, that it was under, and he vowed, he he promised was 400,000 per person. Now it's 400,000 per couple. How is your lovely wife? Well, she's doing very good. She's, uh, she's very active this time of year up on the ranch. They spent, they, poor girl, she's ridden horses all her life, but man, you get a little older and have to do the kind of riding they do up on the flat tops and so on. And last weekend, she was actually a little saddle sore after about 14, 15 hours in the in the saddle. So this time of year is very busy. They're going to be doing vaccin- vaccinating this week. Then they've got to start moving. They, have, they run a lot of cattle, so they have to. Uh, so you're vaccinating uh, cattle? I'm not. She's going up but there. But does, does she give the cattle the choice whether they want the vax or not? Oh, good question. I better ask her that. 
What kind of choice do they have? The How do you stand no. on that whole vaccine yeah, stuff for humans? Well, let me let me tell you, I'm vaccinated, and I uh, I, I just I, I look at it and say I don't understand the downside to it. And for my choice, yes, in our county, the decision we've made as the three commissioners is we're not mandating a vaccination. Uh, we're encouraging people to go ahead, and all three commissioners have been vaccinated. And in Mesa County, the numbers clearly point out that the people that have been vaccinated, um, you have breakthrough cases, but I think it's, and I'd have to check, I think it's a 90 to 10 ratio of hospitalization and or maybe it's 85 to 15 ratio hospitalization and neck similar kind of um, ratio for deaths, meaning that 85% of the people we are having hospitalized have not been vaccinated, uh, which means 15% have. So you do have breakthrough cases, but the efficiency rate, not the, but the efficacy rate, efficacy, efficacy. rate, efficacy rate, I think that the highest was 94% when they made these products. Right now, they say it's even higher with the booster. And can I just say, I I admire you for what you just said. And I I bet you put your full weight behind it. You not only encourage people to get vaccinated, you encourage other people to encourage other people to get vaccinated because it would be better in Mesa County and Colorado if the more people get vaccinated, the better, right? Well, you just, and the math, the one thing is is that and I know that when you bring up math, people say, oh, I mean, I've run into some folks that no matter what you say, it's corrupt or there's a conspiracy or it's the, the government's lying. And, and my first response is it's pretty tough to have a conspiracy without somebody telling their ex-boyfriend or girlfriend or ex-wife or ex-husband or whatever. It's hard to have a conspiracy just as soon one nationwide. But nonetheless, I say, just look at the math. Instead of looking at it on a nationwide basis, let's look at our numbers in Mesa County. And in Mesa County, there's no question that having the vaccination is a significant assistance to an individual in battling this disease or avoiding the disease. And our numbers are very clear, just as I told you. They're around the 85% of the people who get hospitalized or die do not have a vaccination. Right. And the balance, um, uh, and and you know we're picking up right now. Are you? Sh- I, I don't have the exact average, but generally speaking, we're picking up 110 new cases a day in Mesa County. And we had a day this week where we had six deaths. We had a death yesterday, two or three deaths, I think. Anyway, look, this thing's real, and and I lost a very dear friend of mine. And the suffering my poor friend went through before he passed is horrible. This is a horrible thing, this disease. If you happen to draw the, you know, the you're, you're drawing the deck as a bad card, it's horrible. I'm sorry for the loss of your friend, and I admire everything you just said. To me, that's the responsible thing for any politician to say and for anybody with the privilege of having a microphone and an audience. And... um. But you brought up conspiracy theories. Some people may yeah. fire back at you. Scott, don't you understand? Bill Gates is putting a chip in you, and it's going to go off, and the government's going to... Mo- you, you've heard all the crazy things, and that seems to be a new part of life, and I admire you for batting down these conspiracy theories. What's going on? Well, of course, we face it there, but in Mesa County... 
thanks to our clerk and recorder who went astray. There's no question about that. Um, geez, we had we had that there was a conspiracy that allowed the Chinese had a direct line into our computers, our election computers. That Mesa County was the election fraud center, of the United States. That we had imagine five thousand dead people vote in our county. We're going. Where do you come up with this stuff? And but you know, I, it does. You I've, know, I've got an answer. Where you were talking about Mesa County Clerk Tina Peters, the Colorado yes. Supreme Court just said the district court's ruling that she is disqualified from supervising Mesa County elections is upheld. Scott McGinnis and his fellow commissioners replaced her with uh, two people who are qualified. Uh, I know Wayne Williams. Qualified. Right. Yeah. And, and so, so I'm just bringing people up to speed. And again, I admire what you've done and the way you've stepped in. And that's the perfect illustration of where she got it from. You said, you don't know where she got it from? Can I give an answer? My pillow. She got it from her pillow. Well, no. In fact, you'll get a kick out of this. So my wife and I, a couple years ago, two, three years, we bought a couple of those pillows. A lot of people bought those pillows, made them a billionaire. But my wife the other day, she said, isn't it interesting the guy that sold you pillows so you can have a better night's sleep is the very guy that puts your name and your two fellow commissioners on national TV with your phone numbers to call how horrible you are, for people calling how horrible you are to make sure you don't have a good night's sleep. <laughs> well, there's something to be said for that. Holy I cow, I had not heard that story. Has that yeah. been in the press? Because Mike Lindell, <laughs> let me just yes. back up, Mike Lindell, who has my pillow, and you must be watching a lot of Fox News if you're buying my pillow. Although he even kind of got banished from there. He's so kooky. He's the king of conspiracy theories. And Tina Peters went to his symposium, and the guy who's been saying this conspiracy theory is bullshit. I know because I'm from Mesa County. I'm one of the government officials. I've been dealing with elections my whole life. Is Scott McGinnis. And God bless Janet Rowland. She stands up with you and your other fellow commissioner. Yeah, the name Cody, escapes me. Cody. But, but you and, guys uh, stand up. You're the, you're the most responsible Republican saying, this is a bunch of bullshit and knock it off. And I admire you for that. And and don't forget, and, and I'll tell you, the as you know, the Supreme Court yesterday, I mean, they usually meet on Thursdays, as I understand. They apparently had a special meeting. I don't know how they do it, but they... On a one-paragraph opinion yesterday, the Supreme Court upheld the lower court's ruling, and that lower court, that judge didn't hold back. I mean, I could quote from it. Where, no, where no, it no, tell the whole Tina Peters story. How did you become aware of it? Why did you guys have to step in? Just take your time because it's an important subject, and I want to give you the floor. Well, okay, and, and first of all, I, I will tell you that the story I'm about to say that the court, uh, first of all, um, Peter's attorney, Scott Gessler, they admitted to these facts. The court found these facts, and the court, in fact, went to the extent where they said Peter's uh, was untruthful and uh, the, the way she handled it and that uh, she and her deputy clerk breached their duties. They neglected their duties. They committed wrongful acts. So how did we find out about this? We didn't know anything about this. 
at the you know, and when the election was held, our clerk Peters, Tina Peters, uh, boasted about how the Dominion equipment worked. Boasted about how our uh, election went so well because you know she was the only clerk in the state that uh, on the election had to have a monitor put in because of, uh, you know, she lost 500 votes or forgot to pick them up or something like that in the Secretary of State. And I'm no fan of the Secretary of State, don't get me wrong, but Tina uh, was the only one clerk in the state. And by the way, she is the only clerk in the state uh, making these allegations. No other clerk, and most of them are Republican, no other clerk in the state is supporting her position. So anyway, what happens is, She's uh, the cameras in there. She didn't shut off the cameras. The routine practice was the cameras run. We've used Dominion equipment for years. Uh, Tina used them. The previous clerk used them. The previous, previous clerk used them. We've never had a complaint. The election results uh, in in uh, uh, in the twenty uh, in the election there. Those results showed about the same average as had before. And if votes were being switched, somebody got confused because Trump won this by 62% or over here in Mesa County. I mean, there was no, nothing seemed uh, off the rails, nothing at all. Then on a Monday morning, we get a call. Guess what? Your secret passwords are now on a national conspiracy website, national meaning nationwide publicity on this thing. How did they get your passwords? Now, that Monday morning, how, how long after the election was that? Oh, I, I don't know. I'd see it be, uh, let's see. So you had the election last November 2020, and then I'd probably say eight months. Okay. No, maybe six months, something like that. And we go, what, what, we didn't even know what, we didn't even know what they were talking about. I mean, if you take a, the experience of the three commissioners of Mesa County, excuse me, and being able to handle an election, it's probably less than one minute accumulated. Oh, okay, so you're talking about, you heard about the Mike Lindell Symposium in... No, 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 before the Lindell Symposium. Okay, spoke. before the, okay. Yeah, and we didn't, and Tina had never once come to us and said, there are problems, or the Dominion's brought, none of this ever occurred. Tina was a big supporter of Dominion. And then she apparently met with this Dr. Frank guy, and she's, I don't know, I can't speak for Tina, but I'll tell you, um, she has been a major disruption in this county. She has cost, I'm guessing she's going to cost this county about a million dollars. The court found out she has ruled she's been untruthful. Not only that, we have problems with the deputy, but so the story, let me tell you the story. So we find out about this. We go, get a hold of Tina. We can't find Tina. Well, where's Tina? Well, Tina is flying on the private jet, and they were so excited. I'm not sure Tina's ever been on a private jet, but she very quickly adapted to the lifestyle. So she's on a private jet with a couple other people, including people that are really pushing these conspiracy theories. So there's about six or so of them on this private jet. By the way, that's a violation of the ethics rules, but she's flying to the Lindell. It's Lindell's jet. So she's going to be a speaker. Well, as I understand it, Lindell's primary speaker at his big announcement where he figured out how Trump lost the election, that was when he was going to announce it, his primary speaker, I guess, didn't show up or his experts. So Tina all of a sudden becomes the star. In my opinion, Tina loved it. 
So we're then trying to say, wait a minute, what's going on here to get a, what's happening? And then the secretary of the state calls us up and says, guess what? Your machines, your computers, they call them machines, computers. We'll use those switching back and forth. But those machines, they've been compromised. And by the way, commissioners, you have a deadline for that. Your clerk has a deadline in 14 days to, um, uh, to, to do the verifications and have everything ready to go. But you're not going to be allowed to use any of that equipment that you have. All of that equipment has to be uh, taken out off offline because they go way overboard. It's like parts in an airplane. Mm -hmm. You take the full life and you cut it in half, and that's when those parts have to be replaced. Same thing here. These things have been compromised. Who said, but compromised by who? We didn't know compromise. As it turns out, the weakest link you have in our chain of custody is but the clerk herself. She's the one that compromised it. But we didn't know that at the time. We thought something outside had gotten into our somehow gotten these secret passwords. So we immediately, the DA launches an investigation. The FBI comes in. Colorado Bureau of Investigation, I guess, is in here. We're not doing the law enforcement side of it. But we all are trying to figure out how did these get compromised? Well, then it starts to evolve. And it began, apparently, because remember, Tina never shut off the cameras. They've run for 10 years straight, although she's allowed legally 25 days after an election to shut the cameras off. Um, she didn't practice that. Neither did the previous clerk or neither did the previous previous clerk. It's run continuous, we think, for around nine, 10 years. But all of a sudden, we, we start getting little bits of information. Number one, that Tina and apparently her deputy clerk had been had a meeting with a Dr. Frank. I don't know Dr. Frank, but apparently Dr. Frank was very persuasive that the Dominion machines, regardless of the results, regardless of any kind of hearing from Dominion, that they've been corrupted in some sense or some way. And that Mesa County, and I don't know that Dr. Frank concluded this, but apparently somebody in this group concluded Mesa County was going to be the county out of three and Tina out of 350 million people, Tina was going to be the hero to show why Trump lost the election. So this is all going on. Tina's loving it. And then in the meantime, she disappears for almost a month. We have no clerk. We have the secretary of state, on the other hand, calling up and say, you have 14 days to have your equipment replaced. And by the way, I'm going to name your monitor. So I'm removing Tina and her deputy clerk and a third person because they have compromised the election equipment. They're the ones that hacked the equipment. We're removing them. That's how those secret passwords somehow. Now, Tina, of course, I don't know how they got out. Well, how do you think they got out? So anyway, we have the, lots of pressure. And here's three county commissioners that are have no idea about any, how to run an election or these computers or Dominion. We never, I never even heard the word Dominion. Uh, prior to this. And so what happens is we then decide, look, we, we can moan and groan all we want. The fact is we've got to do what Tina's not going to do. She's gone. Nobody knows where she is. That goes on for about a month. And now she, of course, changes her story all the time. And every new every week and that story changes. But that aside, the fact is we still had a 14-day deadline to, one, secure new equipment and the equipment was just under $300,000 loss for the county. 
We had to secure new equipment. We had to have that equipment certified to meet that 14-day deadline. And then three days after that 14-day deadline, we had to have the ballot language prepared to go because of the early voting requirements for the military and so on. So we decided to quit complaining, quit squawking about Tina because it's clear, it's very clear that she and the deputy, you know, breached their duties in our opinion, and clearly we're neglecting their duties. And then, so we decided, quit complaining about it, get the job done. That's exactly what we did. So our first fight was with the Secretary of State. We said to the Secretary of State, you do, we believe you probably have the authority to remove her from office. There's there's no question that um, they're neglecting their duties. There's no question you've got to take some kind of action. We're not fighting on that. But you don't have the authority to name the monitor or the replacement for this election, the person to step in. We have that authority. So we end up, and the Secretary of State disagrees with us, so we said, all right, we're going to sue you. But by the way, when you put a monitor into our office, Secretary of State, several months ago, under similar facts, not exact facts, that's where the 500 votes weren't picked up or whatever, you made the decision under your authority to put a monitor in the office, but we decided who that monitor was going to be. And it happened to be a Democratic clerk and recorder out of Eagle County. We named her to be it. So we retain that authority. You're, re, you, you're out of your territory. You're off the track. You know, you're on our tracks. you got to stay on your tracks. So we ended up filing a complaint against Secretary of State, not a, compl- a legal complaint, a lawsuit, or at least a legal procedure right. defined that. So that. So we got that aspect of it going. So in the meantime, not only do we have to replace the machines, we got to find somebody that knows what the hell they're doing with this stuff. So we've got a former clerk and recorder who is our treasurer, Sheila, and Sheila's fan right here, and she's fantastic. And we have Wayne Williams. Now, Wayne Williams, Tina, um, and we used her testimony in our open hearings where we had lots of people show up very angry about Dominion, that the Chinese had gotten in this and that. But we had uh, uh, Tina herself is on record in our in our hearing room several months ago when Wayne Williams was being considered for the monitor that I just spoke up about how he was the most knowledgeable elected official, et cetera, et cetera. She thought Wayne Williams walked on water until, of course, we suggest Wayne Williams become, you know, take over this election, be our the, the uh, designated elected official, a DEO is what they call it. So Wayne, now this gets all confusing, but Wayne Williams is uh, recommended statewide. Secretary of State agrees with Wayne Williams. No, so, but we felt... Look, that's who we're going to put in as our direct election official, direct, yeah, DEO. I, I call him. A, I call him an RR, a reasonable Republican. He's been in Craig's lawyers' lounge too. He's a lawyer as well. Very smart well, guy, has. well respected. Wayne Williams. But then Tina, and some of the people that are following her, and and but frankly, there are a lot of people that are really in good faith scared. And they're worried about the direction of this country. And they're taking Tina's word that what happened, happened. And that this has been corrupted. And that our machines have been hacked. And so on and so forth. So I get that people, you know, they should. And we have people that came into well, our... What do you mean? Well, what do you mean they should? Well, they, 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 they should regard it as the bullshit no, no. that it is. No, but. no. Uh, now, but we didn't have all that information. 
And what I kept saying from the very beginning is, look, when you people, are, these folks were angry, a lot of them were very angry with us. Some of them, not very many, most of them were pretty professional, but very angry about it. And I said, look, you have my opinion about you coming to our hearings and being upset and everything. I think you're totally justified. I think you have every right to demand accountability from the Board of Commissioners. On the other hand, you also have a responsibility to demand accountability from the clerk because this clerk does not have, as you know, remember from law school, clean hands. She doesn't come into this with clean hands. So anyway, so as the next few days go, one, we're able to get, finally get Wayne Williams. We got to have him in place. We've got Sheila, bless her heart. She's our treasure, but she stepped up to say, I'll do it. No charge. I'll step in and help. So we got our team in place. We're able to dominion. We have, and remember, two all but two counties in the state of Colorado that use computers. So I think there are two counties that are so small they don't use a computer to do to their votes. So that would be 60. So two don't use computers. 60 do and two use the competitor called Clear Ballot. So 60 of the counties in Colorado use Dominion equipment. Not one of those counties, not one of those counties did the clerk claim or has there been any kind of finding at all that Dominion machine was defective. This is soon a fraud took place. To the best of our knowledge, there is only one clerk in the entire state of Colorado that turned off the cameras, went into the secured election room, which has to have special passwords, uh, was dishonest and untruthful, securing an access pass for a, a non-county employee who should not have been in that office, but because was represented to be a county employee to our personnel department, was given an access card. They go in on a Sunday night or Sunday afternoon when no one else is in there. They shut the cameras off. They shut the cameras off a week or so before. They go in, they take copies of the hard drive, they take photos, they hack the computer, they remove, we think they remove the hard drive, all of this will come out in the criminal investigation. That's where the best reliance for facts is. Then the Secretary of State, they know when the Secretary of State is gonna come in for their trust and build, which is a routine deal, every clerk does it. Every clerk copies the documents. There were no election documents that, uh, or voter registers or anything like that that were deleted despite the rumors out there. Secretary of State comes in, unbeknownst to the Secretary of State. She had no idea the hard drive had been removed and copied and put back in. She had no idea photos were taken. She had no idea the secret passwords had been leaked out. They, pat, they certify those machines, very routine. Tina herself had done this before. They All the previous stuff had already been copied. Every clerk's required to copy it, so nothing disappears. Then as soon as the, the Secretary of State leaves, either that night or the following night, guess what? This little team of our clerk, Tina Peters, and uh, a fellow named Gerald Wood, and I think the deputy clerk maybe, make another Sunday entrance. When nobody's around, they quietly go in, they put a hard drive back in, or they mess somehow, I don't know, this will come out. Then once again, they hack the computer. Then they go out, and then she flies off to Lindell's party at some point, and she buys completely into Whatever Lindell says is golden with Tina Peters. Whatever Lindell says, if Lindell says, 
the election was stolen in Mesa County. That's the facts that Tina comes back with. And she stirs up a lot of people in this community, although the results clearly show just the opposite. Never a complaint. Dominion's been tested seven, around 700 times in this state and has never failed a test. I'm not a Dominion person. But they immediately, Tina immediately launches an attack, and her first attack is on Wayne Williams. And then some of the people speaking on her behalf are speaking because they're believing what she's saying. They, they then make allegations. We had 5,000 dead people vote. The Chinese have access. Wayne Williams is a full-time lobbyist. Uh, and on the payroll of Dominion. And when we prove that's not occurring, then it must be his wife, who's a uh, commissioner in El Paso County. She's on the payroll of Dominion. I mean, every day there for about three weeks, we're being slammed with these rumors out there. And there is no, nobody is demanding accountability, at least from the people that are objecting to the way the commissioners are handling this or asking us for accountability, which they're totally justified in doing. Nobody's demanding accountability from the clerk, and she's gone. She's not corresponding with us. She's not showing up with meetings. She's not returning calls. She's gone. She's missing an action to a point that I even asked the, uh, the audience one time. I said, look, I know some of you are very close friends with Tina. I know if you think that Tina, what Tina's saying is absolutely true. So you need to call her. You have communication with her. You need to call her and tell her to come home. The game's over. This is a silliness. We've got work to do. Get back here and help us. She didn't come back. She didn't communicate. Anyway, actually turned out pretty good because I think we're going to deliver the commissioners. Of course, obviously, with the help of Wayne and Sheila, we're going to deliver the most secure election this county's ever had. We're going to show that there wasn't any kind of fraud that went on. We're not only going to just to calm things down. We've always had paper ballots. I mean, we've had people demand, angrily demanding we go to paper ballots. We've been using paper ballots for 15 years. So we, we have the paper ballots. We're going to do the Dominion machine. We're also spending extra money to have clear ballot, the Dominion competitor, come in and verify, audit the results of the Dominion machine. And then on top of that, we are paying for an extra monitor to be put on so a regular citizen can monitor the votes. They won't know who voted what for obvious reasons, but they'll be able to monitor personally if they want the votes. And then on top of that, we're gonna do a hand vote, a hand count, which is a big logistical operation. We have to, we're using a large building. It's probably gonna take, I don't know, a week or two, hundreds of uh, volunteers, maybe, maybe over a hundred is an easier way to say it, or a better way. And uh, so we're doing everything we can this time around just to show what Tina claims happened didn't happen. And now with the court and the Supreme Court, it's very clear. And I don't know what the DA's investigation is going to show, but it's very clear that not only the the uh, clerk and recorder, but her deputy didn't take any preca adequate precautions anyway to ensure the passwords wouldn't be passed on. They were untruthful with the Secretary of State by stating that this Gerald Wood, who was the person they brought in there, was an employee of uh, Mesa County and an administrative assistant in their office. That untruthful, as I, how I think the court said it, but she lied about that. The deputy clerk then, meanwhile, violated, 
She was not allowed to come back to the election office or to her office because of a separate investigation for a hostile work environment. So she she violated those orders. She came in using the clerk's password, it's alleged, and accessed the clerk who was not allowed in the office, was prohibited from being uh, in the election. So she came in and violated the court's rules or the finding, you know, she couldn't go in there, the restraining order. So then she gets arrested for burglary. I mean, the whole thing is a mess. And it all comes down to one central force. And that is, it all focuses on the clerk who alleged that, frankly, Mesa County had corruption. And by the way, as we we begin to prove that the allegations that she and her supporters were making, they begin to move the goalposts. Oh, yeah. Pretty soon, you know, when we said, hey, these things have been tested and tested, show us the results. Well, it's corrupted because Wayne Williams is a full-time employee. Well, here, we didn't have 5,000 dead people vote in our election. Well, that must mean this. That must mean this. Every week for a while, they just kept shifting it. And when Tina finally showed up after not quite a month, when she finally showed up, I'm not sure she still goes to the office very often, she also switched the story. At first, she said she was in hiding. We offered her security, so she didn't. She said she was being threatened. We have no evidence at all. But, you know, there are people that get emotional about these elections. So benefit of the doubt, we should provide security. We offered that. She didn't take that. And then instead of going in hiding, and those were her words, not my words. I'm not using that for emphasis here. She's the one that said she went into hiding. And in the meantime, Lindell admitted that he was flying her around the country in his aircraft and putting her up in different locations to help hide her. She said, well, the uh, uh, I was still calling in remote. I, it's not like I was in hiding, which is what she said she was doing. And she was. She was. And we had virtually zero communication from her for all this time. But, you know, we kind of put her aside. She in Mesa, with us, she wasn't the centerpiece anymore. She was the centerpiece to break, to put the puzzle together. I mean, well, that's let's, let's not depart from her just yet, because I have to okay. tell you, now you are Officer McGinnis or Detective McGinnis. You have so many titles, commissioner, <clears throat> congressman. But you take me back to my days sitting in the Denver police building when detectives would come in and I'd have to make a decision whether you've got a good case against the person and you just spelled out several felonies, beautiful presentation. And what I would ask the detective is what I ask you, who is Tina Peters? What do we know about this woman before all of this happened? Surely you knew her, your fellow Republican officials in Mesa County. Did you like her? Did you get along with her? What's her background? Well, Tina Peters, I, I don't know all her background. I, uh, I can tell you, I supported her. I supported her in a primary against another Republican. I thought, you know, I, so I've probably known her four or five years. And, and by the way, I never, I never knew that she was um, religious. But during this escapade now, you'll notice she's saying that she's working with the hand of God and that God is helping her every step of the way and that she owes it to the I mean, so previous to this incident, I found Tina, um, I don't know, I thought she was fairly professional. I supported her. 
in a tough primary. I thought she'd do a, um, a good job. And I was taken by surprise. Um, I mean, we've had previous problems. So I was taken by surprise once she got in office. To give you an example, we had about a month before this incident or two months before. First of all, she's the only clerk that had to have a monitor put in place. Now, I will say that she and the Secretary of the State have never liked each other. So some of the blame may be the Secretary of State. I don't know. But anyway, she's the only one that got that. And then about a month before all this broke loose, we got calls from constituents who accused us of granting special favors to an elected official and looking the other way. And the elected official, once we begin to calm, calm that down and find out what they're talking about, they said, well, the elected officials, Tina Peters, and you guys let her build a campground without having to get any permits that everybody else has to get. And she doesn't have to go by any of the rules any of the other campgrounds have to do. And we go, what are you talking about? We didn't, what do you mean? So sure enough, she knows better. She built a campground, didn't get any building permits, any of the kind of things you have to go through, the sewer, any of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, she was, she's been a problem child, but professionally, I never really, you, you know, it's just, let, let me let me help you, detective, put this case together, because I've been talking to yeah. other detectives and I've been doing some of my own investigation. And you talked about an area of town that I love, which is near the Capitol. That's where my office is these days. But I really love the city and county building even more than the state capitol. I went over to courtroom 409 a week ago, exactly a week ago, as we record this on a Thursday and it involved Dominion. And here's what I think happened. And tell me if you agree or disagree. There was a, a president, our 45th president, who wanted to be reelected. He saw that he probably wasn't going to be. He started talking about a rigged election and laying a base for that. And I think that once he lost, he needed a scapegoat. Dominion is in a lot of swing states, not that Colorado's necessarily a swing state anymore, but they needed Dominion as a boogeyman scapegoat, and they had a guy named Joe Altman who's getting sued in courtroom 409, along with nine other defendants who put Altman on their air, and Altman claimed he intercepted an Antifa call, and Eric Coomer the director of strategy and security at Dominion had pledged that he would make sure to fix the election against Trump. And this guy, Joel Altman, started putting that stuff out there. And who picked up on it? Well, a lot of people, but most importantly, Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, and Donald Trump started tweeting about Dominion and Eric Coomer. And then this guy has a certain appeal to certain people. It doesn't work on me, and I hope it doesn't work on you, but there's a cult-like following uh, of, of this man. And Tina Peters apparently drank the water. There might be a religious component to it. I don't know. Lynn Wood was a smart attorney. Then he found religion, and suddenly he's off the rails with uh, Don Trump. But what I can tell you happened as a result of the Dominion lie, the big lie was born, and like a lot of great rivers, like the Colorado River, which you love, and the Rio Grande and the Arkansas and the Platte, they start in Colorado and then they spread out. And now it's gotten to the point, Detective McGinnis, that uh, this claim that these elections are all fraudulent, 
they are hurting our democracy. The big lie led directly to January 6th and an insurrection at the Capitol building that you love. And to me, it's all connected. And who are the agents of it? Well, at the top is Donald Trump. But when you talk about Tina Peters, one of her big supporters is Sharona Bishop, am I right, from nearby Garfield County. And she's uh, fast friends with Lauren Boebert, the congresswoman who is your poor replacement out there. So I see a lot of people who are putting their thumb on Tina Peters and uh, Mike Lindell, Donald Trump, Lauren Boebert. Well, am am I right about this? Well, you're right on a lot of it, I think. I think within the DA's investigations, variances, you're certainly right about Sharona Bishop. In fact, there's another R. She lives in Garfield County, but she's decided that Mesa County is her domain. Well, tell uh, everybody who Sharona. Tell everybody who Sharona Bishop is. How she's well, connected to Lauren Boebert and Tina well, Peters. Yeah, I'm not sure she's connected to Lauren Boebert anymore. She was at one time. She helped Lauren, and I can tell you that the Congresswoman has not been involved at all. Uh, pushing this conspiracy or she's not come out at all under any, I can't think of any comment she's made supporting Tina Peters or supporting the conspiracy of Dominion or any of that in our area. She's not. She and recognizes why, Joe Biden. Wait, now you're telling me what? that Lauren Boebert is not supportive of Donald Trump's claims that he really no, no, won no, the election? No I'm, not, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying as to Mesa County, our congresswoman has not has not paired up with Sharona in this situation. Right, She's but, been, but Mason right. County is just one spoke in the wheel now, right? I mean, well, well now, no, wait, wait a minute. Let's go back here because what what we're focused on is the commissioners. Is we're saying, look, we're we don't know what happened with Dominion in Arizona, although what that Biden ends up in and by more. And of course, now the people that they for the recount that they paid to have the recount done were their hand picked experts now they're criticizing their own experts this conspiracy and outfit. now they're saying Pima County was all messed oh, yeah. up but, oh, but, yeah. but you're now, looking at that but, you, that, you, but that, yeah but let me back, come back to my point my point is the commissioners decide you know we we don't know we don't have time we're just three county commissioners in Mesa County we don't have time to look at what went on in Georgia or Michigan or Arizona. We need to focus on, do we have a problem in Mesa County? Are the allegations that this clerk has made, are they justified? Was the clerk justified in, in the in the late night to go in on a Sunday to go in and hack the computers and take photos and videos of the interior of the computers and et cetera? So we spent our resources and our time looking at that. Now, Sharona Bishop was in the middle of all of this and still is today. She's very active uh, on the conspiracy side of this thing. Do I know Sharona? I, she's well-spoken. She's bright. And prior to this, I, I thought she was, uh, you know, I never had any kind of run-in with her. But now her name is consistently on every step that we're looking at. Sharona's in the background on us. So she's a key player along with this Gerald Wood. But, but she, she was just Sharona Bishop was Lauren Boebert's campaign manager. I my that's my understanding, but I haven't I don't know that. And I don't know how long that relationship lasted. 
I do know that I, I don't see the two together anymore much. I don't know what the relationship is. I don't know. And I don't know who she's, she is. She was a staffer for Lauren Boebert, and she's praised the Proud Boys and all of that. I, I'm just saying that you're well, doing a great is, job, Scott. Was, by, the way, wait, wait, by the way, she was on Lindell. She flew, and she was, wasn't she? I think she was on the airplane, too. I'd have to check that out. I think Sharona was on the airplane with Tina, the, the initial trip out there, but I'd have to. I think she was. I think Sharona was on there. And uh, also the guy, that Corey, who's got this election integrity project. Uh, he's in the middle of all this, too. But don't so you see how this is just, Scott, Scott, don't you see? Yeah. I, I'm telling you, you, you're making the case in Mesa County. Multiple felonies, multiple right. possible defendants. But I'm telling you, this is part of a larger scheme. And unfortunately, it involves your Republican Party. And I want to talk about it. You guys on the commission, you've stepped up in a way that I wish our legislators in Congress would step up. They're messing with our elections. That's at the heart of democracy. Would you agree with that? Well, no, I wouldn't agree that the Republican Party, I think that's a generality. That's well, look at, really look at uh, Tina Peters. No, Tina Peters. No, no, you can... You can give me an example of people that are registered as Republicans that are making pretty radical statements, just the same as I can tell you that probably some of the people that burn down buildings in right, Portland but, but, and places like that are Democrat. But that doesn't mean the Democratic Party isn't this the way you burn down a democracy by destroying faith in elections? Look at how you're bending over well, backwards well, to assure well, the people of Mason County that your election's going to be fair. And it's only made necessary because of a Republican elected official who's part of Cult 45. But, yeah, but that's not, that's right. But it's the Republicans that are demanding the accountability. These three Republican In Mason County. So you can't, so In you Mesa can't County. say that it's, I know, but you can't say, draw the conclusion that the National Republican Party or the State Republican Party, or I don't know about the State Republican Party, or our County Republican Party support these acts. They don't. So well, you, you can't paint you the don't, picture. But Andy picture Biggs, Andy Biggs in Arizona supports the election fraud claims. One well, of the Andy, leading Florida candidates, I know. and and, and right. Lauren Boebert is you. part of it too. Talk, talk to us no, about Lauren Boebert. I've already know. said that I, I prefer Scott McGinnis representing the Western Slope to Lauren Boebert. What do you say okay. in response? Well, one thing I'm saying in response, reason I keep trying to get a word in edgewise because we're out of time. Because I've got another point. I understand. But more importantly, I want if you get a chance. So a lot of people that were supporting Tina, not a lot. This is a group of about the activists that show up all the time, maybe a hundred or something. I don't know the size of it, but they at the very beginning they were also citing that Sidney Powell had discovered all this fraud and that all this. Take a look at what her response, her defense pleadings were in her the slander case where she's a defendant. Where she admits, and I don't know if you've already read that, but I have. you probably have. But you got to read that. No, it's I, I have. I mean, it's, it's a and joke. To she, pit, but, yeah, she says, of course, everybody knows it was a lie. I shouldn't be found guilty slander because when everybody knows it's a lie, you don't ask slander. And of course, everybody knows I was making all this right, up. Right, but those well, people, Scott, before but you, you go. You can't paint that with the Republican Party. You know, you can't say. That's a whack. It was Sidney Powell's way out there. I understand. And so, but, yeah. uh, 
the people. It hurts our elections. Scott, no question. It please. hurts elections. Yeah. I know you love yeah. America. I know you love Colorado. I know you love Mesa County. And I know you love the U.S. Capitol. They got no, stormed. No, but let me, just, let me just ask what you this. I, I'm going to give you the floor. But January 6th, that was the result of the big lie. The people who believed Sidney Powell, Lauren Boebert, who tweeted, it's 1776, Donald Trump has now said those people are being persecuted, the people who stormed the Capitol where you worked for six terms. What do you think about what happened to your Capitol, your workplace? Didn't that break your heart? Uh, yeah, but I hate to tell you, the people that were at our Capitol were not the Trump people. I hate to say that to you, and I didn't paint the whole Democratic Party. My guess is the people that traded the FUs and all that and broke the windows at our state capitol uh, um, probably were not registered as Republicans. I'm not even sure that they voted. But that how was can you not, say those chants? How can you say they weren't Trump people? They were carrying the flag. I'm talking about the U.S. Capitol. Well, I'm talking. Well, I know, but you just your capital and the one I worked at for ten years, and you were where we first met. Maybe we met before that was the state capital. I'm talking January sixth. So no no uh, well, I don't. January sixth was terrible event. But the names you're saying, like our congressman, uh, had a role in it. Our and congresswoman you know, tweeted it's 1776 that. that day. And she's complaining about these people being persecuted, the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers. You know, know, I'm kind of respecting uh, former people that that have held my seat subsequent to my retiring and previous to my retiring. And uh, I can't make a judgment call on our congressman. I wasn't there. I haven't talked to her. I focused on Mesa County. I can tell you, and you said the floor is mine, but you give me the floor with about 20 seconds left in the one-hour game. <laughs> I, da- I didn't know there. we only had an hour. I'm sorry, and well, we had no, a little glitch. We and I can, I can talk to you later, but I have a 10.30. At first, I have to meet with the lawyer, and then I have 10.30 cross town, so I've got to run. But I'm happy to talk to you again anytime. I'm just saying to you that during all of this Mesa County stuff where Lauren had every opportunity to to engage in it she did not and i think that's to her credit because i think very early on you were able the uh, an outside or even an in, the inside observer could say wait a minute teen has gone way out on this how did those passwords leak and so people finally are now demanding accountability from tina and they're finding out tina has zero credibility in this case then we'll see what the da does i'm sure the da is gonna i don't know what's gonna happen we're not in constant, I mean, we're not part of the investigation team criminally. That's all in with the DA. So at any rate, I'm happy to continue. I wish we could do some more issues, too, in the future when things come up. Call Absolutely. This was a great talking. start. It's, a, it's great talking to you. And, uh, uh, oh, boy, talking to you just brings back a lot of great memories. It does. But, but, but I talk about Okay, can I no, just? I'm running. All right. I got to run. All right, Scott. Thanks for your time. Okay. I appreciate it. Bye. Bye bye. Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end of life planning lawyer. And I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. 
So I will write pet trusts, which is you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and you know, they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if, you're, if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would, who would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep, and I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887, or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book and appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey, thank you. Hello. Hi, is this Mike Landis? It's the same one. How are you, Craig? I am fantastic. So good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. How are things going? You know, things are going okay. We're a little depressed on the Broncos' four-game losing streak. Oh, man. That's such a – I don't even know what to say about that. You got to hope that they'll they'll finally figure it out. I just don't want to see them get into the same doldrums that uh, the Rockies <laughs> have been in at times. Correct. Goodness. But, but let's not get gloomy talking about the Rockies and the Broncos. We've got my Nuggets, and they're one and zero. They could go undefeated this year. Playing San Antonio Friday night. We're recording on Friday. This is Mike Landis, and if you are at all gloomy. There's the guy to put a smile on your face. When I think about Mike Landis, I think about your great smile and your great hair, your great demeanor. <laughs> you, you know, there's a, thank you. The, the hair thing is kind of funny because I, I lived with that one when I came to Denver for a long, long time, getting the the best hair award uh, from Westward a number of years in a row. And uh, I, I have to say that the, the joke about that is that my father the, uh, and the Landis family, they used to say you had to wear, wear sunglasses at any kind of a family gathering because of all the bald heads. Most of the men were bald by the time they were 24. My dad, his dad, uh, all of the uncles uh, it went on and on. But on my mother's side of the family, everybody's got a big thick head of hair. So I say, thank you, mom. Thank you so much. And you've still got it? I still have it. Of course, Not it's just so all white now. I know, but all, not even a bald spot. I mean, come on, you not, you've tried to retire like twenty three different times, and normally it's because in your business you're losing your teeth, you're you're losing your hair. Or, <laughs> well, you're losing your mind, right? Well, no, yeah. come on, not you, Mike. No, I, I, I meant that figuratively, not literally. No, I I, I think that uh, for me, and I don't know, maybe this is a baby boomer thing. I just I just don't see me retiring. I mean, I will probably uh, go in harness. I, we used to 
laugh about Stormy Rotman uh, being the same kind of personality. He was a guy who was a part of the uh, the meteorological team that uh, that gave the final go on D-Day. I mean, he was working with these Army meteorologists and then went on to uh, retire from the armed services and took a weekend job uh, doing weather at, uh, I think it was Caradio in, in Colorado Springs. And uh, the folks in Denver uh, saw him and brought him up. And of course, he was a huge hit for years and years and years. And then uh, when he finally left Channel 9, he went over to KRMA and uh, was on the air over there doing programming. And he had, uh, if I remember the story correctly, he had just finished taping a program over there when he uh, had a stroke and ended up, was in the hospital for about a week and then, and then uh, passed away. Uh, guy was, in, I mean, an amazing physical specimen. He took really good care of himself and that sort of thing. My point in all of this is that he died in harness. And I think I probably will too. In harness like a horse. Now, I knew like Stormy all. Rodman a little bit, and this is a small world because he lived in the same townhouse development as my late parents, three fountains no. over near the right. McDonald's on Hampton, and he would sure. be at the swimming pool, and that guy was a workout machine. And I, I know, he was amazing. What a great guy, Stormy Rodman. Really wonderful. Part of the Nine News team that, what was it, 16 years you were with uh, Nine News? You did Channel 7. You've done, you've done every channel, but everybody remembers you and Ed Sardella. What a pairing you guys were. You know, and, and that was a, a real, um, I think Roger Ogden probably said it best. We were we were truly the, the odd couple of television news. Our personalities were so very, very different. Uh, our backgrounds were different. I mean, uh, Ed was a, a Marine, a captain in the Marine Corps and uh, played in the high school band. I, I think he played, I think he played trumpet. Um, in any case, uh, and I grew up, you know, as a, uh, I played in the rock and roll band, and uh, I I did not go into the service. I missed Vietnam by uh, the the, the by my chinny teeth. chin. You know, I was skin of my teeth, chinny chin chin. I, was, I couldn't get skin and chin out of there at the same right. time. <laughs> but my point is, is that is that we were very different people. But uh, Roger Ogden said it best. He said that that was the very reason why we were successful, because each of us. Uh, uh, filled in the gaps that the other didn't have, and each of us learned and grew uh, as we became a team. And I, I think that's what made it so successful over all those years. There were people who were big Ed Sardella fans who were so-so in Mike Landis, and there were Mike Landis fans who were so-so in Ed Sardella, and there were people who liked us both. So we were really blessed in that way. I liked you both. What years were those? I went to work there in September of 1977. Uh, the story was I was working for NBC News uh, in Cleveland, and I got uh, a call about coming to Denver. And uh, they said, you know, come stay the weekend. I said, you know, I don't mind flying out, but I, I really got to wonder about staying. And they said, well, you know, we've got a really popular 10 o'clock news show. And I said, how popular? And he said, well, we have a, a 40 share at 10 o'clock. There was a long pause as I picked my jaw up off the floor and said, Hmm, I could do a couple of years of a 40 share. <laughs> and, and we ended up taking it all the way up to 52. We had a 52 share in 1982, which well, was the highest rated. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, keep going. I was going to say it was the high, highest rated local late night newscast in the country when that happened in 1982. And it wasn't, and I tell college classes that it wasn't that we were so, that we were that good. It was that we did a consistent, fair to good job on a daily basis.
and the other guys at the time were doing a uh, port affair. So I think that's what made the big difference. And the other thing is that that was a uh, an anchor-driven shop, and it was a photographer-driven shop. The, uh, the, and, and the number of people that went through there, I mean, I, I'm in touch uh, these days with Tom Costello, who more often than not has the lead story on NBC Nightly News. I mean, there, there are I've so many I've had him on my show. What a great guy. Oh, he's a delightful, delightful guy. And, and uh, the picture that I saw just recently of him when he went to cover the uh, uh, Shatner going into space with uh, on Jeff Bezos' uh, spaceship, as it were, um, that was just so cool, a picture of him and Bezos and, and Shatner. And I said, man, that's, that's one for the ages. That's a terrific thing. Both. Nice guy. But a lot of, lot of good talent came through there. I mean, there, uh, there were so many different people. John Scott, who was still on the air at Fox, uh, and a number of other people. That, I didn't uh, realize John was there. Oh, yeah. John was uh, I, I know Kevin Cork, of course. And, Kevin Cork, uh, who's the White House correspondent for Fox, yeah. Cheryl Preheim has had quite a career. Do you know how I met her? How's that? She was the producer for Dan Kaplan's during the OJ. Oh, gosh. No kidding. I I did not know that about her. I I never worked with Cheryl, but uh, we certainly, you know, our paths crossed a number of times over the years uh, in the Denver market. You know, when I came back to Denver from Washington, D.C. in 2002, uh, I ended up uh, staying 14 years at KMGH at uh, Channel 7. And so I, I did manage to uh, come across a, a lot of the folks that I worked with at night, of course, but uh, other people that... Uh, well, let's talk about Anne Trujillo, because she's still on the air, and she's amazing. Yeah. I was yeah. Channel 7's legal analyst. Man, yes, that was a great gig. For about 10 years, I interacted a lot with you and with Anne Trujillo, sure. but... right. That's back in the days when they were paying pretty good. We'll talk about that, but first let's talk about <laughs> Anne. Yes, the, in the days when they paid, paid pretty good. That, that was one of the reasons why I ended up uh, not staying at the channels. That was my first retirement. I was getting paid pretty good. I was getting paid way too good, according to the uh, the folks that run, run scripts. But that, that's another talk right, show. Right, but let's talk but, about Anne first. Cause she, let's talk about I, Anne. I mean, how does she last that long? It's amazing. You know, I'll tell you something about Anne. She is she's one of the hardest working people uh, I, I've had the, uh, the the privilege of working alongside. Um, she she has never has never taken the opportunity to coast in this job. She's never said, you know, I've got the I've got the really big job. I'm going to take the money. I'm going to you know come in when I feel like it. I'm going to leave when I want to. She is right in there working uh, as hard as any producer, any photographer, any reporter, uh, any manager. She is in there and, and is always going full tilt. And uh, she's uh, delightful. She's uh, charming. She's incredibly smart and uh, has a lot of very, very good uh, instincts as a person, as a mom, as a, uh, a person who is of the Denver community. Um, she's a remarkable woman. She really is. She is. And you and I admire persistence. That's why I admire you so much. And just back to what's happened in the media, you are much more a part of that world. But when I got invited to do Afternoon Drive, it was a significant salary with a bunch of benefits, and I could keep my law practice. And I said, okay, just like I said, okay, to Channel 7 when they paid me a retainer that was really pretty good every month, and I got to comment in something that most of us had given away for free. 
because there was a lot of money back then. But right, now with right. social media and podcasts and everybody yeah. competing for your eye or your ear, the bottom's yeah. really dropped out of uh, media remuneration. Am I right? Uh, pretty much. And, and, and frankly, I have I don't have a lot of, uh, of contemporary information. My, my information is... Uh, well, uh, what would it be now? I, I did my last newscast in Denver in uh, at the end of November of 2019. And so uh, at the time, everybody was being cut way back. And it's one of those things where um, uh, big companies, particularly for older for older folks, folks that have been around for a while, big companies began to look at it and said, hey, you know, this guy or this woman is making way too much money. And uh, we need to figure out that they, they don't even bother to try to repurpose you. They, they just want you out. And so uh, I was a, a victim of that at, uh, at Scripps as they I mean, and they pushed for two years to get me to that point. I finally, you know, I, the deal I made, I'm digressing here, but stick with me. Um, the deal I made at uh, Channel 7 was uh, I was coming up on 50 years in the industry. And I said, give me my 50 years and I'll go quietly. <laughs> but, but when I went quietly, I mean, they took my salary and hired, probably hired three other people. So there you go. Right. Well, that's just reality. But, you know, they can't keep a good man down. You're still in the business. I've read about it. And it sounds wonderful to me because you're with another incredible news organization. And sounds like you have a lot of autonomy. Tell everybody how your life has come full circle. Well, uh, I started uh, in radio in Tyler, Texas, which is where I am right now, when I was a senior in high school, and that was in the fall of 1964. Um, and it was an opportunity to, uh, I, I, I had to take transmitter readings. I signed the station. That was a daytime station. So I signed the daytime AM station. And I signed it on on Sunday mornings and had a little, you know, played a, a record show for about an hour. And, and that was the beginning of my broadcast career. You did news as well, but it was rip and read off of the UPI or Associated Press wire machines. Those clack, 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 clack things that you hear in newsrooms. And, of course, those were always fun, too, by the way, because when you came in on Sunday morning, at some point, the paper had jammed. So <laughs> the thing, the and you thing have was, to make it up. Yeah, it was well. It was you had, no, you had to try to figure out what it said, or you grabbed the Tyler Morning Telegraph and uh, and went through it, try to find out what the stories were going to be that day. You but mean you couldn't case, just check your smartphone? Yeah, exactly. Uh, there, there was no such thing back then. Uh, but the um, I, I started off doing that, and then and then uh, enrolled uh, in Tyler Junior College, uh, and thinking that uh, I would. The draft was taking, I mean, my golly, I had probably a half dozen, maybe close to 10 friends who went, I mean, bam, they were in Vietnam that fast. And so I was trying to avoid that if I possibly could. I got a draft deferment and a uh, an offer to work radio in Dallas the same week. And I went, I mean, that was, I never ended up finishing college. I went on for that. And, and so I've had, you know, very, very robust and a very, blessed career over all these years and to come back to Tyler where I have family I've got grandchildren children grandchildren uh lots of family here uh I have the opportunity to do radio again and I'm having a lot of fun doing it it's early mornings I'm, I mean, I'm getting up at four uh putting my newscast together it said we're, we put an NPR station on the air for the University of Texas at Tyler 
I live in a development that's literally across the street from the school. So it takes me a minute and a half to get to work. Yeah. Um, but at this point in my life, I'm happy. I'm, I'm having a great time. It's a lot that, of fun. That, Tyler, it's a pretty big town. It's over 100,000, right? And you are the local NPR station, and that gets a lot of listeners. And you are tied into one of the most remarkable news organizations. I've always been a little conflicted about NPR because when I was trying to do well in afternoon drive, I realized that the competition was, you know, 90.1. They have great programming, correspondence around the world. And some of my tax money was subsidizing them. You know, did you ever think like that when you were working uh, uh, on TV, thinking, hmm, we're competing against uh, Channel 6, and they're putting on great shows, and we're paying, you know what I mean? It's it's an interesting thing, have you ever thought about that? Well, the, the, the background on that is is that uh, the PBS and the NPRs of, of the, this world, and there's only one of each in, in our world, uh, by law, uh, uh, by, by the, uh, the covenants that they work by, they are not allowed to compete literally with a commercial uh, enterprise, commercial television station or commercial radio station. And in fact, they would be uh, facing some significant fines from the FCC if they ever did anything that was quite like that. So where uh, a commercial station is out uh, soliciting advertisers, people that are spending money uh, for the station, we are, uh, and on the public uh, broadcasting side, we are soliciting donors. People are right, donating Right, but you their read money. little 15-second ads for them. That's right. That's well, and when you say ads, it, it's an acknowledgement of what they of what they do, and uh, but it's not not really the same. It's not like uh, Joe Blow's uh, heating and air conditioning uh, that you might see on uh, television or here on the radio. If you hear that such and such a program is sponsored by Joe Blow's heating and air conditioning, uh, and maybe there's some sort of a tagline that goes with it, it's not really quite the same. It kind um, of is. This this segment <laughs> brought to you thanks to, to the generosity of Mike Landis Ford. <laughs> Where, where's what? Where's my fee? That's what I want to know. No, I'll tell you. I, I really have. I have enjoyed. I'm, I'm not uh, putting it down. I, I think no, NPR no, no, I is it. wonderful. I listen all the time, and I love to listen in new venues because I, how much airtime do you get? That's when I would get my local flavor. Well, you know, and, and that's that's really what we're trying to build here. Uh, the, the university is very robust in terms of, of the number of experts, I mean, that are sitting right here on this campus. I mean, if you're doing a story, and, and we're also tied to uh, University of Texas Health System, uh, which is here in East, based here in East Texas, and uh, we have just gotten approval to build a medical school here. And uh, the idea is that they want to bring people in to uh, – to do their uh, all of their studies here in East Texas, uh, hopefully put down roots here in East Texas, and hopefully stay and practice medicine here in East Texas. Uh, there, uh, th- this particular part of the country. I don't know whether you've ever been here or not, uh, Craig, but I have to tell you, it, it is it's gorgeous. I mean, it's really, really very beautiful in this part of the state. Um, I want to end the conversation talking about Texas because you guys been in the news and. Oh, I, I just went to Austin. I went to that voting rights rally at the Capitol, uh-huh. and uh-huh. Beto O'Rourke was there, and uh-huh. Willie, Willie Nelson, and uh-huh. uh, I, 
I'm a, I don't know much about Texas, but you guys have been in the news. I want to get back around to it. But I, I just want to know, like with my podcast or when I did radio shows, I have a lot of decisions to make. Who's going to be the guest? What's going to be the order of things? What questions will I ask? Is that what you do with your day? Uh, pretty much. I mean, I'm doing the news of the day uh, as well. I'm doing in my, my newscast, but what we're trying to do, I mean, where we're using that as, as a base, as our jumping off point, we're now expanding our programming. Uh, or we want to actually create programs. Uh, I just started one just this last week um, called uh, Let Me Speak to the Mayor, uh, in which we sat down with the, the mayor of Tyler and uh, this town uh, having, had, when I first came here, I was in the ninth grade, uh, years and years ago and um the the town has grown so much and there's a, a a 20 30 40 50 something engine that's driving this town right now and where it's at about 105,000 right now com let's say compared to some place like Fort Collins which is about 165 uh, it, it is growing like crazy they are developing new businesses here uh all the time, it seems like. Uh, with telecommuting, uh, there are so many different ways in which young people, if they want to stay here, or young families want to stay here, they can and still you know, maintain their, their jobs. Um, it's, and in talking to the mayor, my gosh, there's a, uh, there are so many different projects that are underway right now. It's very, very exciting. Oh, that's cool. Do you here. have traffic jams in Tyler? Well, now that's interesting. You would say that one of the questions to to the mayor was they're taking, um, I think it's about, I can't remember how much money they, they've got. They've got some of the COVID relief money, the unused federal money that they are applying to some programs. And they've started a, a very uh, $212 million uh, city budget, the biggest the city's ever had. Uh, and they are redoing all the uh, the traffic system. Uh, they've got a new system that'll be in they're hoping to have it in place by March of next year, where uh, the traffic uh, the, the traffic signals literally can talk to each other, and they've got a, a main uh, setup where they can uh, they can monitor the flow of the traffic, and if there is an issue of some kind or another, they can deal with it more quickly. This system was built in the 1960s. Most of the traffic systems here, and so that's been a huge complaint here is that the traffic is just, it drives you crazy. How come I'm sitting at a stoplight and, and there's nobody on either side of me and it goes on forever? What's, what's up with that? So they're, they're upgrading all of that and they're, and they're getting a lot of things fixed and getting a lot of things upgraded that needed to be upgraded for a long time. It's a, it's a beautiful little town. It stayed small on purpose for a long, long time. And now it's starting to grow in a good way. That's cool. You brought up COVID. I hope you and your family are well. Have you survived it okay? Yes, we have. We have been uh, very, very fortunate. We've been very blessed. My wife and I both have had uh, Moderna, which uh, seems to be the, the better of the Me three. too. Yeah. And um, and I got the that, third one. Oh, did you get I haven't got my booster yet, but I'm, I'm due for that. I'm due for that and my flu shot. So, and uh, I get it at the same time, and you're going to be full dose, you know. Yes. I, yes I, I'm, sh I'm sure I'll have an arm that won't work for a while. You'll so. be all right. <laughs> But, but let me ask you about COVID and how you handle it on the air. All the stations around here, and to me, responsible media have said, get your shot. They're PSAs, Channel 9, Channel 7. Everybody's saying, get your shot. You hear it on the national news, too. What's NPR doing? And more importantly, how did you handle it in Tyler, Texas? 
Um, you know, the, 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 we have a very strong health community here. It, it, it's interesting that, that Tyler became the center of about uh, 20, maybe it's been 30 years now, became the, the center, became a regional health center. There are two major hospitals here in town. Uh, each of them has a couple of uh, flight for life helicopters uh, or more than that. I think one hospital has three. Uh, and again, our, our University of Texas system is, is, is aligned with one of them. And um, they, they serve an entire East Texas area. I, I'm trying to remember, I believe it's 11 counties, uh, maybe 12 that they, that they serve. And so consequently, uh, there's a Northeast Texas uh, health organization. They monitor uh, the COVID statistics. They come out with biweekly information. Uh, we've had, uh, uh, let's see, we've had, we'll get the updates certainly. And at any time there is a, uh, a new vaccine or the, what is the, uh, uh, the immunotherapy? Uh, uh, therapeutics. Regeneron. Thank you. I couldn't think of that. Yeah, exactly. We've got uh, a number of those centers that are available here as well. Um, and so the community is very attuned to, to things, all, all things medical, really. Uh, but certainly in this COVID situation, they're following it very closely. And it's also interesting, you know, we, we have a Republican governor, very, very conservative guy, and plays to his conservative base. And he has put out a number of uh, executive orders regarding COVID. He is urging people on the one hand to get vaccinated, but on the other hand, he has banned mask mandates in schools and public right. entities, and he has uh, banned vaccine mandates in the public entities. And uh, a number of school districts here in East Texas have, have defied the ban. They, they just went ahead and, and put the mask ban in anyway, and it's actually worked, but now they're being sued by the attorney general. <laughs> and so one district is actually uh, is hunkered down and they're fighting it. I mean, they're, the, the state has said, you know, the governor has the well, right we, to deal we with the We read all about it. And mandates yeah, we, are a big deal, but I'm wondering what you do, what decision you make. My decision with my microphone is to say, I've been vaccinated. I get to write a column for the Colorado Sun. I even wrote about my early booster shot because Jared Polis was fed up with the FDA and said, beat the rush, get it done. Right. And I did. And I think it's a responsible thing for a person like you or me to say, I got the vaccine. I got the Moderna. Maybe it made my arm sore a little bit, made Mike's arm even more sore, but it's good. It's right. It's science. You can trust it. And rather than have like Channel 7 does that News 360. I think most stations are saying, no, there aren't two sides of this. Get vaccinated, for God's sake. And, <laughs> and, and do you say that, or, or you, would that turn off your audience in Texas? Well, I, I, you know, to be honest with you, as a journalist, I, I think that, that what I have to do is just report the information, and there's plenty of information to report. I mean, when you have people that... Uh, my my own daughter, who is a uh, she's my firstborn. Um, she she has two teenage children, um, uh, one in college, uh, one finishing high school. Uh, she is the dental hygienist, and she's she's not sure she wants to get the vaccine. She she has not been vaccinated. Uh, she doesn't even get a flu shot. And we have interesting discussions about it. But I mean, it's a personal choice. So I look at it that way. I mean, as a as a journalist, my job is to talk about the numbers of people, uh, the new cases, the uh, 
where the shots are available. No, I got you. I, I, but you gonna, you've heard it on the gonna, air where straight yeah, yeah, news I, I, people say, get vaccinated. Yeah, you know, it, it's, I, I guess I don't feel like I have to do that. I feel like if I'm reporting the story and I'm telling it well, that people will be able to make their own decisions one way or the other. It, it's fascinating that, that I, ju- I just don't think advocacy there is there's a term that they use and and i don't i i think they're they're almost uh an oxymoron advocacy journalism uh, if it's journalism it can't be an advocate i mean that's that's right but how some i things, see it no, uh, I, I, wasn't it I, down in texas where a teacher just asked do i have to teach the other side of the holocaust you know on the yes, one hand yes, they killed yes. six million jews but on the other right, hand right. i mean isn't there, aren't there some things where you just say, no, there really aren't two sides of this? Well, the, the well, first of all, there's always two sides. You don't have to agree with them. I mean, you, right. and some of them, some of them are, what's the, what's the, uh, the, the term that they use in, in, uh, for shorthand in Twitter, like, uh, SMH, smack my head, <laughs> smack I my forehead. I thought it was my head, but I like smack yeah, yeah. my head better. It's like, uh, yeah, well, I do the same. I, I, that's why I have a, that's, I don't have one, but a lot of my friends say, that's why I have a receding airline. <laughs> but you don't. There you go, bragging about your hair again. I have great hair. Just so you know, it's way too good for radio. (laughs) Way too good for radio. Good point. Uh, But 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 truly, I I don't I don't feel like I feel like if I'm doing a good job as a journalist, that people who are going to make it whatever decision they want to make anyway will have better information to make that decision for themselves. And and I guess you ultimately you got to trust them. I mean, I, I I I do get. How, and it's amazing to me. I grew up in the era of the of the the salt vaccine for polio. I just can't imagine this world in those days saying, "I'm not getting that. I'm not going to get the polio vaccine." Are you kidding me? And, and then the whole thing about the the COVID passports. Hey, you know, I had to have a card full of my shots to be able to enroll in school, didn't you? There you go. That's what I'd want to hear on my Tyler, Texas NPR. What the hell's wrong with you? When uh, (laughs) Jonas Salk came up with that in April 1955, and that was just a game changer, right? I'm sure your parents were worried as hell that you were going to get polio. Yep. And then he he, he distributed it to everybody, and it was kind of unthinkable that people would not participate in that vaccine to get rid of the scourge of polio. Let, let me tell you that one of, one of the other reasons why I, the, the whole advocacy thing that I, I, I back off of, I, I live in a state that overall is pretty conservative. I mean, you've got the, we always used to kid about the People's Republic of Boulder. There's the People's Republic of Austin that's uh, very right. similar to, to Boulder. Yeah, Boulder without mountains <laughs> and, and a great music scene, which which Boulder has too. And, and I, 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 because I live in a conservative area, there are those that are, are looking for that thing that says you are a, a liberal mainstream media. Denver, exactly, spend time exactly. in Boulder. Ma- ma- exactly. Mainstream, or Austin, uh, mainstream right. uh, uh, media, drive-by media, so forth and so on, you know, all of that crap. I, I think the, the key for me is, is that if I can keep it on the straight and narrow, uh, again, providing information that, that is accurate and is uh, useful 
then then I'm doing my job, and and that's that's really what I ought to be doing, and and I feel good about that. I don't feel like I'm shortchanging anybody. I don't feel like I'm taking anybody's side. I feel like that if it's good information, then again, people people are going to do what people are going to do. It's interesting when they were talking about coming out with the the COVID vaccine for five to eleven uh, year olds. Um, there were there were those that said, "Oh man, that'll be great!" You know, people be running to go get that. And the other said, "You know, they're they're not getting it for their teenagers. Why would they get it for their kids at eleven and five? Not that they meaning that there are those who will not jump on that bandwagon, right. uh, not until they're absolutely certain." And again, I, I was talking about my daughter. I have five, by the way. Uh, my oldest daughter uh, is is the, feels that way about her son. She's he's seventeen years old. I I don't know. That the risks that I'm aware of that could be that could be out there for him, I'm not sure. I want to get him vaccinated. I said, well, I don't know how you handle it, but I, I would just say, look, honey, this is how I feel. <laughs> this is what I want you to do. I mean, have you made your thoughts known, or do you just say, well? No, I mean, same deal. I mean, I'm glad to discuss the facts, and, and that's that's what I do. I discuss the facts. I say, you know, the. the but ultimately, it's it's her decision. I'm a big believer. I think people overall are 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 fairly smart. I think the only thing that that makes people dumb sometimes is when their political beliefs get in the way of their common sense. And and I'm talking about on both sides. I mean, liberal or conservative. When your political beliefs start getting in the way of your common sense, you're you are doomed. You are headed down right. a real bad path. And so, uh, I keep hoping that. The facts will bring people to their common sense rather than, than allowing them to, to cleave to political uh, beliefs. Or Some of these things, are, they're almost like, uh, they're, they're, so, they're just knee-jerk. I, mean, they are, uh, well, I think there's I, a couple I, things that have happened. I, I would never expect you to be as opinionated as me in your role. It's not proper, but I've taken observation that a lot of reporters, uh, anchors, say that Donald Trump is uh, is lying about the election being rigged. There is no evidence, and they, in effect, call him a liar. And there is this big lie that is on the verge of ruining America, and what's the proper role? I think I've heard NPR enough to know that they say discredited claims of this or that, but a lot of people believe it, and a lot of people in Texas believe it. And your Governor Abbott is sucking up to the president by demanding audits there. We have a lady in Grand Junction who's gone full Mike Lindell on this crap. We have a lawsuit involving Dominion Systems in Colorado. So I think it's an interesting journalistic choice for anchors like you. Do you call it discredited and kind of a nice word for the big lie or do you just play it neutral president former president trump claims that dominion voting systems were rigged against him right uh i've not had occasion to do a story specifically about dominion systems but i will tell you that uh, the the common term that's used is that claim that uh, what's really funny is that is that Trump would ask for a recount 
here in Texas, a state that he carried. So we'll figure that one. I, I don't. Well, I, I can't figure it because he's just yeah. destroying democracy by putting all elections in doubt. And if he won by sixty-two percent, he's going to claim I should have won by sixty-seven percent. That's the way he plays yeah. golf. That's the way he does everything with numbers. <laughs> that's that's just my opinion. <laughs> Oh, this is this is fun. Uh, the only thing missing is that we don't have a couple of beers to be able to go with this conversation. <laughs> you don't drink whiskey. Let's drink whiskey. Uh, well, well uh, I, 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 well, I, I'm just about off the air. I've got, got my All last right. newscast coming up. Uh, no, uh, but let, let me say this. I think that, um, as a for instance, uh, this was sort of fascinating, and I don't know whether you're aware of this or not. But the the governor ends up. Uh, however he ended up doing it the, the whole business of, of of whether there should be a recount of the uh, election results in texas ends up going to the state legislature um the, the governor is this is after a request from donald trump the state legislature uh, never got the th- it, it got out of a senate committee and died and i think that speaks to there certainly are those who are going to kowtow to uh, the, the power and the persuasion of Donald Trump and those who support him. Um, but there are also those who are realistic enough to realize that, that they can't they can't jump into every battle and expect to not come out of it unscathed. I mean, they're going to get some sword cuts and bullet wounds and you know some uh, some bullet some uh, some explosive uh, fragments uh, from from that, those kinds of battles. They've right. got to pick and choose them very carefully in order to survive. I don't know what's going to happen in the country uh, with with Trump coming back and and ultimately. I mean, here he is uh, telling DeSantis in Florida, "Hey, uh, stand down." I mean, for all practical purposes, uh, stand down. Stand down. Stand by. But, Just like he yeah. did the Proud Boys. <laughs> But but he's saying you know the the, the big dog is going to right. uh, be running for this I mean, essentially he saying, needs I, the money I, right but but who but who knows what's going to happen I, I I do I, and I'm worried about it I I'm I'm really worried about it and I I, I think that Abbott who used to be a smart guy um, and now he's afraid of the Trump base and I can tell you that there are Trump enforcers when you're on the radio and talk radio if you're not. All for Trump, they'll get on you. And uh, I, I think it's terrible for the country. And down in Texas, I don't know much about it, but you brought up Austin a couple times. I went there to learn about your state. Well, let me just say before your state, which state, if you had to say, this is my state, Lord, which would it be? Texas, Colorado, somewhere else? Well, I, I was born in, in Texas. I, I think I probably. Um... Well, I think it was Dan Rather that had the great line. They said, uh, "Do you do you think that you've accomplished the the things you've accomplished in your career because you're from Texas?" And he said, "No, I, th- I think I've accomplished the things in my career because I love Texas." And, and what that means to me, anyway, the way I took that was that there's a, a hard scrabble aspect to this state. This is not a, an easy place to. Uh, not an easy to place populate. to live. In, in, right. It, well, it, was, well, it, was, the, it yeah, was wild Comanche territory back in the day. Yeah. When America got going, Texas was kind of a wasteland, right? Yeah. It, well, it, and, well, the, 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 the Spanish uh, uh, 
the Spanish influence in Texas really made a huge. It's very interesting that in the in the earliest days of uh, of Texas, uh, the uh, Anglo's referred to themselves as Texicans, right. which I I always think that's a, a great line. But I I think that the when I say hard scrabble, I'm just talking about that. As a, for instance, I grew up in Houston, and uh, Houston that's that's oil and energy and refineries and. It's just it's a hard it's a hard scrabble life there there it, it's not a uh, it, it's not easy and I think that if you come through all of that and you you know if you if you, if you manage to survive high school football and if you manage to survive high school at all uh, and college and uh, some career that you've chosen for yourself if you can get through all of that you can it's the uh, it's the the catch line from New York, New York. If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. So I'm here in Texas. You are of Texas. I bet you loved Colorado. I know you loved Colorado. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I, I you know what I said. I was I was uh, inducted into the Denver Press Club Hall of Fame uh, year before last, and in my uh, talk, my my final line, in fact, and in my acceptance was that. You know, you you can leave Colorado, you can leave the state, but uh, it never leaves you. And I think that's how I feel about Colorado. It's it will always be a part of me. I I have one of my stepdaughters uh, and her husband and her children are all in Fort Collins. Uh, I get back, you know, quite often, and and it's it is it is one of my homes. I look at it that way. Yeah, it's interesting. Politically, so different. Part of Colorado was in the Republic of Texas, right through the middle of our state. So it's not that far removed. I read Forget the Alamo. I don't know if you've read that book. Maybe. I, ha- I have read that, yeah. And, and to it, it, me, they painted a picture of Texas that I had not quite perceived before, that when it was a wild territory, some Americans perceived opportunity to grow cotton in Texas— and they came over there to do that. And, of course, they weren't going to pick the cotton themselves. They wanted to have slaves. But it was right. part of Mexico. And Mexico said, you know what? We don't go for slavery. We just had to get rid of the Spanish. And they were bigoted based on skin color. So please That's don't right. bring slaves. But yeah. uh, these guys, Davy Crockett, Jim Bowie, Stephen Austin was part of it. said, no, we, we need our slaves. That's uh, our property right. right. And this and that. And then right. the Alamo happened, and eventually Texas gained its independence, was the Republic of Texas. But then I think it was President Polk who said, we need more Confederate states because we're fixing to have a war. Let's get Texas on our side. And Texas did become a state, what, in 1845? And then they had a good Southern partner. And when the war came, People praised the Texas fighters, and I saw that on the grounds of the Texas State Capitol. I could not imagine this kind of monument existing in Boulder, let alone about seven of them paying tribute to the Confederacy. Jefferson Davis up there, Robert E. Lee, and praising the Texans for putting up such a great fight. And <laughs> that's why I, I just I worry about Texas and, and in western Colorado and parts of America that kind of, you know, the South will rise again. No, no, let's not do that. We're not going to control other people. We're not going to control women's bodies. We're not going to discriminate. We're not, we're going to uh, get our COVID shots. We're not going to, 
anyway, so I just went on and on about it. The state you love, and I, I hope Texas turns it around. I'm not being high and mighty. I'm from Colorado. We're better than that. But but what's going on in Texas with, with their crazy laws and their kowtowing to Trump? It's disturbing. It's like Alabama or Mississippi. Well, it's, it's, it's not quite that bad, but I'll, I'll tell you that it is. We're just at an interesting time in terms of, of where the, the, the political um, the lines are. I mean, it is weird to see on the national news that some kind of story out of Texas is in the top 10 stories <laughs> in a given night. You, wow, you know, and not necessarily in any, in any sort of a, uh, a, a flattering light. Right. Um, I, I think that Unless, the, uh, for some people, it probably is on Fox News. It might be. Yeah, I, I, and I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, and, and I, I find that to be somewhat of an oxymoron. Fox News. Uh, I, I, you may or may not know that I, I work for Fox in Washington, D.C., and we used to refer to ourselves as, as the the only station in the entire group that had not been foxified. <laughs> Even though we were Fox, we were still doing straight news. We were not doing news that had a slant with a little lilt on the end of it. I mean, we, we certainly did it straight. You know, I, I, I don't know that I can defend my state in, in terms of, of what the governor does or what the legislature does. I mean, the legislature is is controlled by the Republicans right now, and they just got to redrawing the congressional boundaries. They got two new uh, congressional seats out of the 2020 census and the republicans redrew the lines to where it it benefits their incumbents and uh, and it's been ever thus i mean the 10 years ago they got into trouble and had the justice department overseeing right. what they were doing because of, of all of those kinds of issues and uh, I, I don't it, it's not that bad this time but it's still not it's not great um by the and, same and token, in your beloved state of Colorado, the Democrats gave away their power to an independent commission, and now they might be ruining it. But it's the reality that we've got eight. We we got an extra one, and it doesn't favor any party. If it favors any party, it's the Republicans, even though they're way in the minority here. So that yeah. that's kind of the difference between Colorado and Texas, right there. There, there is, uh, there certainly is. That, I mean, if you're talking, if you're talking about uh, the, the conservative versus uh, liberal or more moderate or more centrist, uh, all I can tell you is, is that uh, when Matthew McConaughey uh, becomes a candidate for governor of Texas and gets elected, <laughs> oh, I, I, I listened to his book Greenlights. Loved it. The, the, the world, the world is going to. Uh, I'm not sure that the world will spin off its axis, but I think that it certainly will, will open a lot of eyes. You know, there's uh, here at the uh, at the University of Texas at Tyler, uh, we have a group uh, that does polling, and they work with the Dallas Morning News, and uh, they do uh, polling uh, over a variety of issues. They they have a group of about. I think it's about 1,300 people all across the state, uh, and they talk about, I mean, everything. I mean, it's it, everything from all of the uh, issues of the day to, you know, more mundane things like uh, the power grid was a huge issue oh, for yeah. uh, Texas during uh, uh, February when they had a big winter storm. When you got and, Colorado uh, weather in Texas. Exactly, when we got Colorado weather in Texas. And... Um, 
which by the way, I have to tell you that the only implement, the only yard implement that I own from Colorado is my snow shovel. Nice. And I got, and I got to use it. <laughs> I was the only one in the neighborhood who had one. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I used mine the other day. You know why? Why is that? I ran over a snake and <laughs> the snake did not do well. Wait, wait a minute. That sounds like an old lawyer's joke. No, the, come on now. The, what was that one? Something about what? What's the difference between professional courtesy or something? You're going no, to no, a bad it, place. No, no, no. It's, it's the uh, what? Is, what is it? Oh, he said, "What's the difference between a, a dead lawyer and a dead snake in the road?" He said, "There's skid marks in front of the snake." Oh, that's terrible. No. See, that's a, that that works in Texas. We like our lawyers. Here. <laughs> No, I, I say that with love for all of my friends who, are, who happen to be in, in the uh, happen to be attorneys in, in Colorado, and I have a number of them who are very fine friends, and I respect and admire them. I, it's in fact these are jokes they tell me. So there you I go. understand. I respect yeah. and admire you, and and you're taking my hard questions. You gave away a little with your condemnation of Fox News, but I'd like to think that the future of America is in the young people at the University of Texas at Tyler. And Tyler, Texas, with 105,000 people, but with these giant medical centers, I bet the politics is pretty darn mixed there, right? You have a combination of a lot of things, and I think the younger generation is going to be better. I don't think they want to fight a civil war over skin color or gender or anything like that. Can we leave on a note of optimism like that, Mike? Do you see a better future when you look at at the campus? Absolutely. What I was saying to you earlier about having uh, interviewed uh, the mayor here in in Tyler, um, he was, I I, I said, you know, agree or disagree that 20, 30, 40, 50 somethings are the engine driving all of the progress that's going on in Tyler. He says, absolutely agree. He said, because these are, these are people that want our communities succeed. They want our communities to work together. They want uh, the growth that is sustainable and and makes sense and uh, benefits everyone. And I I thought to myself, you know, it, it, that sounds utopian in some ways. And yet, uh, the young people that I I mean, my my grandchildren are uh, my oldest is twenty four, and uh, their view on the world is it's different. And it's uh, different in a good way, I think. I think that they're more open to a lot of different ideas. They are not hardcore in, in conservative or liberal values. Uh, they seem to be, you know, tell me what makes sense. And I'm thinking to myself, man, that's exactly who I want to take over. I'd like to see take over the, the world, as it were. You are slightly ahead of me, but we are both baby boomers. And I think it's great, although I'm not sure we baby boomers did wonders for the world. It's this next generation. But how long are you going to keep working? And please say forever. You're going to die in the harness, right? I'm going to die in harness. I'll just, uh, they'll, they'll come in one morning and say, uh, hey, Landis, you, you didn't do your newscast. And they'll see me slumped over the. the no, console. that's not the way. It's got to be dead air. You got to be in the middle of your newscast. Wait, we've got dead air. What's your call? What's the number? How can people listen to you? Oh, uh, we are at. Uh, well, first of all, you you can listen in Colorado uh, just by going online. I know. Uh, tell us where to go. Yeah, I'm going to tell you right now. It's uttr uttr dot org. It's uh, University of Texas uh, Tyler Radio. 
uh, org. And we have a live stream that's right there, and you can listen any time of the day or what night. What time of day do you hit with your big Peter? My first newscast in the morning is uh, 7. I'm on at uh, 7. Actually, I'm on all morning long with a variety of different things. Uh, but we're in, in the process, as I say, of, of developing programs. Oh, by the way, one of the things we do, and, and starting Monday, as a matter of fact, the interview I did with the mayor, we, we run long-form interviews uh, in their entirety on the website. Well, that's so you great. can hear Yes, you can hear them there. Yeah, no, it's it's unbelievable that people have access to radio stations all over the world, podcast. Can you believe the competition for, for people's ears? Yeah. And, and what's interesting to me, too, is that even the concept of radio, someone was saying, well, you know, people don't really listen to radio anymore. I said, do you listen to podcasts? Said, yeah. Said, what's the difference? And they, well, I, I, well, I, I kind of see that. But part of the thing with radio, to be honest with you, is that I think it's gotten a little bit of a bad rap as you, as it's become a, as it became a platform for those who had uh, extreme views, right or left. Right. Uh, I think that it, it it hurt itself in that way. I mean, it probably kept itself going in the sense that, that there were people that would buy advertising uh, for Rush Limbaugh, for instance. But Limbaugh, for for all that he accomplished in his time, and there are those who inside radio who know radio really, really well, and I'm only becoming reacquainted with it, say that he he was the uh, he was the savior of radio. I know, but that, he, he might be the ruin of well, America when he started talking but, but about exactly. by media. He was talking yeah, about no. you, Mike Lanner. Uh, no, like, no, I get that. I get that. And 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 here was my deal with with I didn't care what he said, if except for one thing, and that was that he. He presented himself as a news person or as a journalist, and he was an infotainer. Right. And there's such a huge difference. I mean, that Fox is full of infotainers. And and I, all due respect to my friends who work with Fox. I mean, Kevin Cork, we talked about, right. John Scott, uh, there, any number of, uh, they, they do a fine job. And there are a lot of people, they do a fine job. But there are a lot of people who are not so fine, in my opinion. And, and it is my opinion. No, and and I agree with your opinion. And before we, and he's been gone for a while, so I don't feel bad talking about Limbaugh. But he he helped with uh, America's attitude toward climate change. You know, getting an SUV, this or that. He he belittled that science, and he was a racial provocateur. And we don't need that in this country. And the guy who used Limbaugh as role model is Donald Trump. And the more outrageous you are, the better ratings you get. Anyway, that's my opinion. You've been great to share your wisdom, your experience, and now we know to go to uttr.org to hear you Monday through Friday. It's so good to catch up with you, Mike Landis. Well, Craig, it was great to talk to you, man. I haven't seen you in, in a, a long, long while, and uh, next time I'm in Denver, I'll buy you that beer or that whiskey if you want. Well, whatever. You, we can have a cup of coffee, too. I just like to get together with you because, as I said at the start of the interview, and you can tell throughout, you're the guy who makes people smile, and it's cool that you're doing it in Texas and around the world, and I respect people of Texas, and I think... You know, Colorado was a conservative state, and it moved, and Texas is moving, and when Texas moves, the whole country will feel it. I got two words for you. Governor McConaughey. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, hook them horns. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I probably, I probably should. I, that, that, that's who 
makes my paycheck for me. There you go. <laughs> All right. Great talking to you, Mike. Be well. Good to talk to you, too. Take Bye care. Bye-bye. Michael Bailey, a friend, a lawyer, a sponsor. Tell everybody how you bring peace of mind to their life. So by setting up your estate plan, you know what's going to happen to your stuff when you die. You know where it's going to go, you know who's going to get it. We've got everything in place so we're not running to a court to try to get guardianship and conservatorship as quickly as possible. But then it's an orderly proceeding of things. So, you know, there's already enough chaos with the medical emergency, but the legal part of it and who can make decisions is all outlined. It's all set up. So there's, it's like the the smooth transition of power. That's cool because you can avoid so many problems by having a medical power of attorney and discussing it with a smart guy like Michael Bailey, because who should have this? It's probably somebody close. Who do you trust most among your children to make that call? These are the hard and good questions that you ask every day, right, Michael? Right. And if you ask them beforehand, when you're not in the middle of a crisis, then when a crisis hits, we're not trying to do crisis management and medical emergency and everything else. We're going, okay, we've got a smooth transition of power here. We've got a smooth who's in charge, and we can have that all flow so that we can focus on the care. There are so many things in life that you can fill out a form and save yourself money, save yourself heartache. Some people die out of nowhere quickly, but more often you get sick, you have medical difficulties, so it all goes together. But your system works, it works beautifully. What is the best way to contact you these days? Best way, uh, you can give me a call. My phone number is 720-394-6887. And again, that's 720-394-6887. Or you can go online to michaeldailylawllc.com. And there is a an appointment page on my website that you can use. So either way is fine. Thanks, Michael. Okay, here we are. Back with our troubadour otherwise known as Mr. Altacocker. Not. That's a joke. Better be a joke. Do you like being called an Altacocker? Not yet. Tell everybody what Altacocker means. Well, to me, I don't know what it means, It means an old guy. Alter, (laughs) Cocker. An old guy. Yeah, Yeah, right. An old man. Right. But here's the thing about my show this week. I may call it older men. Because my guests are all older than me, and I'm no spring chicken, but Scott McGinnis, who was in the State House as a young man and then six terms in the Congress from the Western Slope, he ran for governor, lost in 2010, but now he's back. Even though he's older than me, he's a Mesa County Commissioner, and what a great guest he is. And then Mike Landis. Anchor, Nine News, Channel 7, everywhere. He's been in Cleveland, D.C., Atlanta. Now he's well into his 70s, and he said he's going to die giving a newscast. How about that? And you, our troubadour, you are older than me, quite a bit older than me, and yet you seem like a spring chicken. When are you going to retire? Well, I have no thoughts of that, but may I make make a suggestion yes, for for the for the name of this next show? Altacocker. Not not older men. How about wiser men? Wiser men. You know, that's when I have Phil Wiser on. He'll come back to Craig's lawyers lounge. But all right, 
Let's talk about you and your aging process. How's it going? <laughs> it's going. Couldn't be better. I hear you're on the wings of a rocket toward retirement. That's right. That's right. Wings of a rocket is this is this week's song. You just put out Troubadour. I think it's cut 13 of your new CD, and it's fantastic, but... Uh, let's keep talking about you. D do you plan to retire? No, I have no plans to retire. How many more albums do you have in you? That I don't know. I can't. I can't begin to say. But um, I just know that I. I still, as much as ever, love playing music, and uh, getting together with friends, and you know, and making music when it strikes. You know, when the inspiration strikes. We have a show that we both like called The Kaminsky Effect. We like the Alan Arkin character, and his mantra was, if I retire, I'm going to die. And you've adopted that, right? Well, yeah, and it's interesting. I just came back yesterday from seeing my dad, who's 97 and doing pretty darn well, and he asked me, he said, Dave, why don't you retire? You'll have more time for your music, because I gave him the CD that just came out. And I told him, I said, Dad, I don't need more time for the music. I find time for the music. And uh, there's something about uh, that, that uh, the, 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 the demands of a work schedule that make your free time all the more precious. I think it might be baby, baby boomers. You're baby boomer. We all are on this show today. And I think that we need something to capture our attention. Maybe we have the luxury of doing work that we like. Yeah, But uh, I, I think baby boomers won't get out of the way. It's kind of leading to resentment, or it was before all these jobs opened up. Now, anybody who wants a job could find one, don't you think? Right. I don't feel like I'm in anyone's way if I stay active. As a matter of fact, I feel like I'll be helping people, um, you know, putting together clients and, and uh, subcontractors on remodel jobs. Um, I think I'll probably be uh, creating jobs, if anything else. And that's the way I felt about the booster. I got it a little early because Governor Polis said I should. I wrote about it in the Colorado Sun. But I also thought I'm not taking a vaccine away from anybody else. There's plenty of vaccine. There's just not enough shoulders to put them in. Right, right. I don't know if there's plenty of vaccine in, in you know, third world countries. That's a whole different different story. But uh, Right, but my vaccine is not going to get shipped it's not going to it's Africa. time sensitive. Right. No. So I don't feel guilty, and don't try to make me feel guilty. Well, I do. Now, the ultimate uh, Alta Cocker, who's doing great, is William Shatner, a member of our tribe. Have you thought about that? I mean, for Star Trek, you loved it as a boy, right? I did, absolutely, yeah. And you reminded me that he was Jewish. I never think of, of Captain Kirk as Jewish. I doubt anyone did. What about uh, Spock? And, Leonard and Nimoy was no. a, a Jewish guy, too? The same, the same. No, it was news to me. Do you know who created Star Trek? Gene Roddenberry. And what was his background? Um, you mean his, you mean his religion, <laughs> his ethnicity? Well, I, th I think he was a Gentile. Okay. But, but uh, he was a fighter pilot during World War II. I didn't know and that. And then he became a Pan Am pilot. And then he said, I want more excitement. He became an L.A. cop. And he started to write screenplays. But he wrote Star Trek. And how long was it on? That's amazing. I don't know. There's all the different incarnations of no, Star Trek. No, but the original with Shatner and Nimoy. Uh, 15 years? Three years. Wow. It's all around. It got canceled. Then have good ratings. It's kind of another undiscovered genius sort of thing. Wow. It took years for people to appreciate it. 
I can't believe only I think three that's years. what's going to happen with all your CDs. They're popular now, but someday, maybe it'll be 200 years from now, archaeologically, they'll say, my God, listen to this man's music. So good, so prolific. But one thing we've noticed about your songs, it's always got this sun in it and some natural element, but you only write love songs. Well, I don't know if I only write love songs, but why not? But mainly love songs. Okay. That's what makes the world go around. Love, right? It's the it's 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 what makes it go around. It's what makes it worth living. It's the dominant emotion. Well, but but you're there's a breakup song. But get back together. Yes. I, I, you know I love that kind of stuff. Sure. The heartbreak in, I'm surprised you didn't like it more because it was all about kind of a breakup, get back together, boy fun. It's like the graduate. Right, although he Groden was so wishy washy, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't stomach him. As All right, a, as let's go to Dustin Hoffman. All right, All right, Dustin Hoffman's different, and he's speeding in a little convertible too. Dustin get Hoffman to the had passion for his woman. He was beating down the walls of the church. Groden, After he sped down the highway, right on that's the wings right. of a rocket. That's right, right. Missed the bus, right? Running, I, all that stuff. Uh, it's Elaine, been a while. Elaine. And then you remember what she said, finally? Um, ben! <laughs> okay. And she ran away. It was That's a powerful scene. Yeah. But uh, tell us about your song, Wings of a it's, Rocket. There's nothing, nothing too much to tell. It was, uh, it's just a, it's just a, it's kind of a pop song that just, the, the lick came to me, the guitar lick, and then the, and then the words, Wings of a Rocket, came to me, and then I had to make everything fit. Right, but it's about a guy and a girl, and she sends him a text suggesting she's lonely. Why did yeah. they break up? And yep. he's he's driving back to her as fast as he can. That's right. On the wings of a rocket. That's how he feels. Just like William Shatner, who went in space on a real rocket. Wasn't that cool? Uh, we're going to play the sound of William Shatner, because I think he's got a lot of wisdom at age 90. We just listened to the sound, his attitude toward retirement, and his thoughts right after he landed, after going up in space. That guy's got a lot of wisdom. He does, but he and he was so moved. That's the if you play that part, I think people would like it just because uh, he's he's so touched. The, the experience you could tell is fresh and um, and something he had never experienced before. It's so fragile. But while we're here, love is kind of what it's all about, right? Let's listen to our troubadour, Dave Gunders, with his song, Wings of a Rocket. Thank you, troubadour. Thanks, Craig. And I'm ready to 
law for almost 40 years like me, you learn a thing or two. If you have a legal problem, give me a call. 303-861-2800 at Springer and Steinberg. We do all kinds of law. Call me 303-861-2800. We will help solve your problem. Thank you. Now that's what I call a show. I hope you liked it, but it's not over. I have so much more. I have incredible sound that I think reveals how the big lie was born in Colorado. Both sides of the Continental Divide, Denver, Grand Junction, it's all playing out, and I think it could be exposed in a Denver courtroom. I hope so. I hope that just like the Wizard of Oz, I can be a part of pulling back that curtain I admire William Shatner, as you just heard, with our troubadour Dave Gunders. Isn't he something? William Shatner talked about retirement, and it's an attitude shared by Scott McGinnis, Mike Landis, Dave Gunders, and I think me. Retirement is for the birds for us baby boomers. Sorry, but what's better than working? If you enjoy your work, like me putting on this podcast, Thank you to my sponsors. 
Here we go. Listen to William Shatner talk to an enchanted young female inquisitor 10 years ago on the prospect of retirement at age 80. Hell, if he would have done that, he'd have missed out on the space flight at 90. Give a listen. You're 80, you're still going strong, writing books, coming out with albums. Um, I mean, is there ever a point where you think you might take a break? And I, I will. Uh, I will take a break. I'll lie down and die. And that'll be my break. Um, uh, no, I, I, uh, I love, I, look at this. Isn't this a wonderful uh, few minutes that we, we've, we're spending? Uh, this is I the get, highlight of my week. Is it? Well, <laughs> here I am with a beautiful young lady asking me questions oh. about myself. Uh, why would I want to retire from that? Mm -hmm. um, no, I, I loved the work. I loved writing this book, uh, Shatner Rules. Uh, it's a, a joy to find the right words to to is express myself uh, and uh, have you read it and laugh out loud uh, in a subway and get a seat as a result. Um, I'm delighted by all that and I don't want to stop. So if you had one rule that you had to give me, for example, to go about the rest of my day, what would, that, what would the Shatner rule be? Well, the, the thrust of the book is say yes. And so say yes to when you walk out of this studio door, whatever opportunity, whether it's to have a cup of tea or a dinner date or leave the building, say yes. See what happens. I will say yes. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Bye. <laughs> hey, that's good stuff. I like Bill Shatner. I think there's a lot of wisdom, and I want to play the entirety of almost four and a half minutes of him coming down from Blue Origin and talking to Jeff Bezos about the experience. There's some noise in the background, but I admire Bill Shatner. He says a lot of wise things applicable to climate change, how you approach life. And at age 90, it's just cool to see how he's keeping on and sharp, really sharp, with great insights. And after we listen to Captain Kirk, William Shatner, then I start talking about the Dominion Connections, and Tina Peters, and Randy Corcoran, Jack Posobiec, Joe Altman. But first, let's get a little perspective from Kirk. No, not Kirk Woodland. Remember him? I do. Anyway, let's talk Captain Kirk, the great William Shatner. And I liked him in Boston Law. Let's think about him that way. To see the blue cover go whip by. And now you're staring into black. That's the thing. The covering of blue, this the sheet, this blanket, this com this comforter of blue that we have around us. We think, oh, it's blue sky. And there's something you shoot through it all of a sudden, as though you whip off a sheet off you when you're asleep, and you're looking into blackness, into black ugliness. And you look down, and there's the blue down there, and the black up there, and it's it's just, there is mother and earth and comfort, and there's, is there death? I don't know. Is that death? Is that the way death is? Whoop, and it's gone. Chase. It was so moving to me. This experience has been something unbelievable. You see, yeah, you know, uh, weightless, my stomach went up. This is so weird. 
but not as weird as the covering of blue. This is what I've never expected. Oh, it's one thing to say, oh, the sky and the thing and the fragile, but it's all true. But what isn't true, what, what is unknown, until you do it, is there's this pillow, there's this soft blue. Look at the beauty of that color. And it's so thin. And you're through it in an instant. It's what a... How, how, how thick is it? We know. I mean, the atmosphere... Is it a mile? Two no, miles? I mean, it's, I mean, it depends on how you measure because it thins out, but maybe 50 miles. Not but either. you're going yeah. 2,000 miles an hour. So you're through 50 miles of whatever the mathematics fast. are. Yeah, really you know, fast. It's like a beat and a beat, and suddenly you're through the blue. And, and you're into black, mm -hmm. and you're into, uh, you know, it's uh, it's mysterious and galaxies and things, but what you see is black, and what you see down there is light, and that's the difference. And not to have this, you have done something. I mean, whatever those other guys are doing, what it what isn't, they don't. I don't know about that. What you have given me is the most profound experience I can imagine. Uh, I'm so filled with emotion about what just happened. I, I just, it's extraordinary, extraordinary. I hope I never recover from this. I hope that I can uh, maintain what I feel now. I, I don't want to lose it. It's so... so much larger than, than me and life. And it hasn't got anything to do with the little green planet, the blue orb, and the, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the enormity and the quickness and the suddenness of life and death of the, oh my God. It's so beautiful. Beautiful, yes, beautiful in its way, but. No, I mean your words. Oh, my words. It's just amazing. I don't know. I can't even begin to express what I, I what I would love to do is to communicate as much as possible hey. the, the jeopardy, the 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 the, the moment you see how vul the vulnerability of everything. It's so small. This air, which is keeping us alive, is. is Thinner than your skin. It's it's a it's a it's a sliver. It's it's immeasurably small when you think in terms of the of the universe. It's a, it's not it's negligible. Man alive! The things you can learn on the internet. Colorado Christian does a good job of putting their stuff on YouTube, and Randy Corcoran was there the other night to introduce a controversial guest, Jack Posobiec. He's an associate of Steve Bannon, prominent guy in the alt-right, a proponent of the big lie and anti-vax, anti-mask. Why do those things all go together? Anyway, here's Randy Corcoran. Before he gives the mic to Jack Posobiec, he talks about himself. And I think he's kind of in the eye of the storm. Everything revolves around Corcoran. And Corcoran, by going on Lindell TV and spouting the big lie, I think he's taken it to another dimension. Especially given that Boyles, Boyles who amplified Joe Altman back when it really mattered in mid-November 2020, he backed away right after he learned that 
holy cow, they're suing people. Because he realized what he had done. He knew what Corcoran had done. And now those two are kind of feuding. And I wonder how Boyles will react to Corcoran going full my pillow, full Mike Lindell, appearing on Lindell TV, spouting this nonsense. And again, this is for money, folks. They make money with the pillows. Conservative Daily sells stuff. Corcoran sells his law practice. My God. Every right-wing cause wants to hire him because they perceive him to maybe be successful when I haven't seen it. He represented those cops. His case got dismissed. I don't like his chances with the Gateway Pundit, even though another lawyer did all the arguing in court, even though Corcoran acts like he was there doing stuff, not during the many hours that I was there. I described it last week. Anyway, I was not there at Colorado Christian, but I feel like I was now that I watched Corcoran introduce himself in the following manner. I'm going to tell you just enough about me to make the comments that I want to leave you with before I bring Jack up, uh, hopefully have some significance. Um, I do work as the Republican National Committee man for Colorado, but at the same time, I also chair the largest Tea Party group because I'm a believer that it's the people, it's the grassroots that need to be influencing our politics. And when I went to the RNC, I really thought I was going there as a covert spy, you know, that Tea Party outsider uh, going there to spy and report back to the people. But if you're at all following politics um, and you think that it's important that we have a strong and robust Republican Party, my experience there has been that there's an awful lot of folks there like me who are trying to, um, you know, kind of help Donald Trump in his longtime effort to drain the swamp. Obviously, that effort got short-circuited, but there's a lot of leftovers and holdovers there who, uh, who aren't going away and who aren't stopping. So um, I think politics is in good shape. Right, because he thinks they're dominant in the Colorado Republican Party. Quite a contrast from Scott McGinnis, huh? He said, no, we're all just normal, suburban, regular people, support the military, law enforcement, what about those cops on January 6th? But Corcoran goes on. Uh, I just think it's interesting. He said, we're supporting Trump, and we're going to, on his behalf, drain the swamp. I think it's the Republican swamp. Any Republican with the temerity to stand up to him like those nine brave Congress people did, taking that easy vote to hold Bannon in contempt. My God, they're giving away their own power in Congress because they're in the cult of Donald Trump. Not all of them. Most of them are in fear. It's a mobster-like thing. If they oppose him, he'll oppose them back. They'll lose their job. What's the job of Randy Corcoran? Well, he took my job. Isn't that interesting? Not that I would ever want to be part of that shameful place right now. Oh, my God, what can U.S. became as Donald Trump emerged? Perfect place for Randy Corcoran, who once said to me, you know, I said, you know, it looks to me like you're trying to get my job. He said, oh, no, Craig, I'm a morning person. I would rather do that 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. And he said it like he was serious. I wonder if George Brockler knows that. Hey, I heard you told Silverman that you like this early shift because George doesn't like it that much. And George is a decent talk show host. And George is one of the few guys who's taken baby steps against Trump. But that's all they are. Same with Scott McGinnis. Because who's the talk radio host 
in that 9 to 12 spot on Saturday mornings? It's Randy Corcoran, and he tells that to Colorado Christian. I'm a talk radio host, and for a lot of you, the students here, I imagine talk radio is something you don't spend a whole lot of time doing or involved with. Uh, but for some of the older folks, this is still how we connect. This is how we motivate each other. This is how we, um, uh, you know, try and remind ourselves that we're not alone. Because if you're listening to the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine, you, believe, you feel you're alone if you believe in God and country and freedom. Um, they will tell you that things like Antifa are a concept and they don't really exist. And so I'm glad you're here to, to hear some of that truth. Um, and for those of you who are into talk radio, it's Saturday mornings, 9 to noon on 710 KNUS. But the most... Thank you. Um, Man, the irony of him now feuding with Boyles. Boyles, the same petulant wimp. He won't have Corcoran on to debate it. Just like he wouldn't have me on to debate Trump being impeached, which should have happened. He was impeached, but he should have been removed. That was a solid case, but nobody wants to talk about that. And on talk radio, Denver Trump radio, they talk about anything but, you know, January 6th. Even Trump's an embarrassment, but they still back him. Corcoran leading the charge. Then another river that runs through everything and very interesting is Bandemir. I wrote a column about it. They hold those Joe Oltman FEC faith education commerce meetings at Bandemir. It's a very religious oriented place. They've got Colorado Christian University sponsorships all over the place along with 710 KUS Salem Media. It's all together at, at Bandemir and Corporan he represents Bandemir, and he brags about it all the time. He has Bandemir on frequently. I've never seen a guy have his clients on more than Corcoran, but look, he's trying to make a living, and he's making a good living at it. That's what it's about for a lot of these people. It's about the grift, but it's also about power, and I'm afraid bigotry and white supremacy, it's all welcome to them. The Proud Boys, fine. Nick Fuentes, fine. Michelle Malkin, Come on now, we've seen this play before. Anyway, here's Corcoran telling the room about how he's Mr. Bandemir's friend. The most important thing that I'm doing in my work right now, though, is with my law firm. Um, I'm the guy who's suing the governor and suing the health departments, including right here in Jefferson County, for the illegal and unconstitutional shutdowns last year. <clears throat> I represent one of your neighbors uh, not too far away, Bandemir Speedway, and uh, uh, just a wonderful, uh, God-loving, praying family that is standing up for everybody's freedom. They're not standing up for my freedom. I want to be free to resume life with this COVID behind us, but you guys won't wear masks, you won't get vaxxed. I wrote about Bob Enyard. I don't know that much about Jack Posobiec because I've listened to him a few times with Steve Bannon and I watched him at Colorado Christian and I see the type. And I don't know him, but Randy Corcoran, who I think may be launching a podcast, I don't think it's going to end well for him at 710 KNUS. The guy who ran the place when I was there was Peter Boyles and boy, those two are not getting along with good reason. Because 
Carpenter's gone way too far, as these sound bites will illustrate, and he's friends with Jack Posobiec. Read about him in the ADL. Just Google Posobiec. See what he's been up to, but he's vouched for by Randy Carpenter. I've known Jack, uh, not personally, but because of the amazing work he's doing. Um, if you listen to Steve Bannon's War Room, uh, Jack is a regular there. He's doing his own thing now with Turning Point USA and, uh, and Human Events, which is a wonderful publication, online publication to read. Well, there you go. Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk, now also a part of 710 KNUS. But let's listen to Jack Posobiec himself. I've not listened to his speech that much, but I watched him on YouTube at Colorado Christian, our neighbors. Out in Lakewood, they've got a campus, a lot of students. They used to have a lot of prestige. Western Conservative Summit, Bill Armstrong helped found the place. What's happened to the Republican Party? Well, guys like Jack Posobiec are ascendant. They get platforms at Colorado Christian. And I'll tell you, they preach the message that the people at Colorado Christian wants to hear, that the one answer is, you guessed it, God. And they say God is on their side in this big life fight. I beg to differ, but you've heard from me. Give a listen to Jack Posobiec at Colorado Christian. It occurred to me, because I'm speaking here at Colorado Christian for the first time, that usually I kind of end my talks when I give talks with this, but I thought that since this is a Christian university, right, that we might as well finish with the answer. Would you like that? Would you like to finish with the answer? It's really simple, ladies and gentlemen. The answer is God. You need to return God to the public space. That is how we fix this. That is how we get out of this situation. Well, there you go. I told you there was... uh component of Christianity to it. Jack Posobiec is a political actor, but he merges his Christianity as further illustrated in this soundbite. How do we balance our loyalty to American freedom and our loyalty to Jesus Christ? Well, I don't necessarily see them as in conflict with one another, um, though I would say that, you know, I guess when it comes down to it, you know, we have to fight for those we have to fight for those ideals within the political sphere, and that means fight peacefully. That means holding prayer rallies. That means getting out there. What does the left do? They say, take up space. Christians need to take up space. Believers need to take up space. We were talking earlier. I think pro-lifers need to take up space. You know, look at this issue about the abortion testing of fetal cell lines that's come up with the vaccines. Did you know there's lots of other products and lots of other companies that are involved in this? I think that people need to take up space. We need to be a voice for that, to take these issues. And we don't just put it on our politicians. You need to go to these companies. You need to go to so many of these people and say, end these barbaric, these disgusting practices that would have never have even been approved in the Middle Ages if they knew anything about this, because it would have been too drastic for even, you know, in the times of, of bloodletting and all the other stuff, they still would never mess with fetal children. They would never have even considered doing that. And yet here we are in the United States and we say we're so progressive and that we're so advanced and we're so futuristic. And you look at what we do and you look at the things that we will be comfortable with. Nikola Tesla had a line. He said, you will live to see man-made, uh, man-made disasters beyond your comprehension. 
And can I just add to that, that remember that our, this is the only country in the history of the world that determined and declared to the entire world that our individual liberties come from God. They are a gift from God. So if you're fighting for the word, if you're spreading the word, if you're standing in faith and in prayer, there's no contradiction with fighting for your country. Those are one and the same. I as yeah, I just, I just don't see a contradiction yeah. there at all. Way to go, boys. The Ditto Squad. And Corpin weighing in with his wannabe stuff. I always called him wannabe because he wants to be Dan Kaplis. But Dan Kaplis, he's Catholic. I don't think he would go for Posobiec. Listen to what Posobiec and Corporan say about how you can't trust Jesuits. Is that anti-Catholic? It kind of sounds that way to me. All right. Our youngest daughter, 24, used to know God, has graduated from a Jesuit university, and I would say is very woke. What can we do, say, or invite her to read and watch that would open her eyes to the lies? Older folks like us really don't know where to direct our young folks Wow. So, okay. I mentioned this. Our, we covered the Jesuits once before tonight, um, but, you know, first, first and foremost, don't trust Jesuits. Never trust Jesuits. That's, that's, just, that's just fair. Say it again. Don't trust Jesuits. Okay. I'm not that knowledgeable about Christianity, but I don't think Mike Lindell is a Catholic or a Jesuit. I think he's more of that uh, newborn, uh, reborn, evangelical, I don't know, the same thing that Lynn Woodcott about three or four years ago. And if you listen to Tina Peters, did you hear? Well, you will hear that she went through a crisis with the loss of her son a few years ago, which can cause you to turn to God. And I don't know. I'm just saying I think there's a religious component to this. For Mike Lindell, there is. And who goes on Lindell TV? Randy Corcoran just the other day this week. And he went on the laydown show of all time. I can't remember the lady's name, but she's some regular host who does prayer calls for him as well. I bet Randy wants to talk to the great Mike Lindell himself, but just getting the TV on him. Yeah, it's, it's Lindell TV. People pay to subscribe. And Corcoran's trying to become the hero of this crowd and the hostess gives him the really tough question, uh, hey, what's going on in this court case in Denver? And Corcoran starts talking uh, for quite a while. But before you hear that whole spiel, I want to play the start of it and illustrate how it's not that honest. In fact, it's not honest at all. As Randy Corcoran vouches for Joe Altman, what a great guy, what a success, mild-mannered, what businessman, salt of the earth, not political. Then he sees an injustice. Really, wasn't this guy the host of conservative daily podcasts for the last 11 years? But listen to Corcoran with a new crowd, Lindell TV, vouching for Altman in the following way. Turn it over to you and ask you just to let our viewers and listeners know what you're doing, what, what is, what's going on there. Sure. Well, this uh, one of the big stories involving Dominion voting really generated right here in Colorado uh, with a gentleman named Joe Altman, who uh, is uh, was a is a businessman. Uh, he's created data companies that have become massive successes. Uh, incredibly smart. Uh, never a political beast of any sort. How do I know that's not right? Because 
I played the sound of Peter Boyle's chest gushing with happiness that he got the big get. Yeah, he was pals with Corcoran. He left Corcoran for a little while there, showing the bad judgment of Peter Boyle's. Man, he's missing it. You talk about grifters. You talk about people eating their own. It's this Trump crowd. And Boyle's, now that he's realizing he could be sued, the station could be sued because they launched Altman in a lot of ways. But he still won't go against Altman. He's scared of that, I think. And he definitely won't go against Trump any more than Scott McGinnis. Well, they have their base and you can't go against Trump. Hell, Boyles has even said that and I played that sound bite. But listen again to when Altman and Boyles encountered each other and Altman was well aware of Peter Boyles and Peter Boyles, who doesn't even know really how to work a podcast with the technology. He's not really heard of Altman. Of course, Altman had a different name. He was doing his political shtick under the name Joe Otto, despite what Randy Corcoran just said. This guy was a political animal, and he says so to Peter Boyles when they first meet not long after the election as the big lie was flowing out of Colorado and 710 KNUS. We got him? Good. Whoa. I was sweating bullets. Please say good morning. Really looking forward to this. This is Joel Altman, O-L-T-M-A-N. Hey, Joel, thanks, man. Good morning and welcome, because you did the show Saturday. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Hey, thanks a lot. It's Joe, J-O-E. Oh, okay. Shows you what I know. With two N's. Sorry. So spell it right. So I do it. Uh, O-L-T-M-A-N-N. Gotcha. Um do your bio. Well, I've been called worse, Peter. Uh, so you, I, I, <laughs> come sit on this side of the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> I'll, I'll show you worse. Um, do, a, do a bio and talk about yourself so people know who you are. Um, I'm the CEO of a tech company um, um, by day. I started uh, FEC United, which is an organization that works um, to kind of bring some sensibility to our community and empower people. I started that about uh, 26 weeks ago that now has 91,000 members. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm one of the co-hosts of Conservative Daily. I had to come out. I was I was using the uh, pen name Joe Otto for that for the last 11 years and well, you, because you, of all this. You do a radio show or is it or is a pod? Pod, podcast. Okay, it's a yeah, podcast. It's actually a really good podcast. No, God, I mean, it's not God. as popular as you, but it's uh, you know, we're in the top hey. forty. <laughs> hey. Give it a plug. Where do you who co-hosts with you, and where do you do it? Um, we do it at our studio, and it's uh, in um, Denver, Colorado. And our co-host is uh, Max McGuire. He's uh, he's uh, quite the individual. All right. So, what's your education? Yeah, we, Where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up in Washington D.C. Right. And, and um, I'm. Uh, can you? Can I, uh, sorry, I must kiss my wife goodbye. Okay, kiss her for kiss I, her I for you. kiss her for me. Remember that kiss her All for right. me. Yeah. Oh man, it gets worse after that. It's so sickening the way he sucked up to him in those first two interviews. Welcome home. Are you warm enough? It's funny because Boyle's always put down the way Phil Anschutz got questioned. But you talk about a lay-down interview twice, two days in a row. You'd expect that from Corcoran. Of course, Boyles refers to Corcoran having him on that Saturday morning. Then 
Altman went to Michelle Malkin and then Eric Metaxix. Uh, Gateway Pundit picked up the story and they've all been sued. I saw them in courtroom 409. I saw Corcoran and I recounted the words we had in the hallway that I love so well. Randy Corcoran, who down the hall got his ass kicked when he tried to save the job of nine Denver cops who trusted him. He didn't follow the right procedures and they didn't even get a hearing. Kind of ironic. Sad for the cops. Led down the primrose path by Randy Corcoran, who now has another notch on his, I don't know, broadcasting jacket. He was on Lindell TV. That Mike Lindell, he started his own TV station because he's been banned from others. Still a good advertiser at 710 KNUS, even on Peter Boyle's show. Anyway, listen to how Randy Corcoran, after he lies about Altman not being a political animal, he tells the Lindell TV crowd uh, more, and he vouches for the guy. And he really tells the whole story again of how Eric Coomer is the real enemy, and he never stops to say, well, how do you infiltrate an Antifa call? But he didn't ask Goldman that, neither did Boyles. They all laid down for the guy. And now Corcoran has the temerity to claim that Dominion's the real criminals and that there's a DOJ RICO investigation against them. And he's on Lindell TV saying all this, where they probably believe him. And the hostess who stays quiet for several minutes just says, thank you for representing them. Listen to this sound. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Randy Corcoran on Lindell TV. Never a political beast of any sort. And he began getting involved in, in freedom activities. He set up an organization for faith and education and commerce. And um, what he discovered is that he was being infiltrated all the time by these uh, journalists who would then publish things with a very Antifa-like spin. They weren't there to report stories. Uh, they were there to tell tales. And so he began doing some investigative work to try and figure out who these actual and literally Antifa-affiliated journalists were. And this was well before the election. I think it was in September. Um, according to Joe, he was invited or he made a connection that allowed him to participate in an Antifa uh, conference call, an Antifa Zoom call, I think it was. And during this call, people were expressing their concerns about the re-election of Donald Trump, and someone piped in who was identified as Eric from Dominion, who, according to Joe Oltman, made this statement that, don't worry about Trump, I've effing taken care of it. Well, that, of course, was an, an astonishing statement, which at the time, according to Joe, he didn't really take too seriously. He thought it was pretty goofy that uh, anybody thought they had that level of control. Later, when the election problems um, began to surface and questions about the voting machines and you know, setting aside all the obvious problems with lack of signature verification and confirmation of addresses and all of that junk, um, he started doing some research of his own and he tied together Eric and Dominion and came up with Eric Coomer, who is has a degree in nuclear 
physics of some sort and is uh, the security expert and was responsible for security at Dominion Voting Systems, which of course is right here and had used to have one of their offices right here in Denver, Colorado, till all of this came out. They, they've closed that office since. And um, so he started putting two and two together and he did some homework on this Eric Coomer and his discovery led him to Eric Coomer's social media, which Coomer at first denied in our Denver Post and in other interviews, later had to admit once a court case uh, came to light that it was his social media. Social media, for instance, Facebook posts damning President Trump and Trump supporters and any of his friends who might consider Donald Trump, unfriend me now, with horrific um, statements about our country, about police, uh, writing the Antifa manifesto when it first came out and sharing it with his followers. And so Joe put two, to two, two and two together, and uh, after the results of the election uh, came to be known, he told his story. And that story turned into an affidavit that was submitted to lawyers for the president and, and to others, uh, became a national story. And, um, and so more and more people started filing lawsuits trying to challenge election results, which so far judges have declined to hear. We haven't had evidentiary determinations on those things. Judges have said no standing, it's too soon, it's too late, things like that. But Eric Coomer, as you know, Dominion sent out a bunch of letters. They're now under investigation from the Department of Justice for a RICO violation, for sending out letters, just hundreds of them, to people saying, if you don't start talk, stop talking negatively about Dominion, we will sue you. They've sued multiple people. And here in Colorado, in a state case, Eric Coomer of Dominion, it's not a Dominion lawsuit, it's Eric Coomer of Dominion, has sued Joe Oltman, uh, Donald Trump campaign, Rudy Giuliani, uh, Michelle Malkin, Sidney Powell and her law firm, OAN Network, uh, Newsmatch, Newsmax, which settled out for undisclosed terms. Uh, no evidence any money was paid or anything. They just got out. Um, and then my clients, who are the Gateway Pundit and the founder, James Hoft. And so last week we had two days of very interesting hearings. And I've gone on a while, so if you have any questions about what I've said so far, I'll, I'll step back for a moment. Well, I want, I want to thank you for just being um, represent, you know, representing these folks. I, I don't know Hoft and his brother, I think, run the Gateway Pundit. I've met them, but I don't know that they would know me. And I thank you for representing them. That's hard-hitting questions, kind of like Peter Boyles with Altman at the start. And I feel like right there, Randy Corcoran is auditioning for Donald Trump, Mike Lindell, maybe Donald Trump Jr. I mean, he looks good. This is on TV, and he's talking to a national audience, and he's trying to explain to them what's going on in Colorado. And he keeps saying... What Oldman is saying is just putting two plus two. It's simple. It's logical. It makes sense. He's vouching for Joe Oldman, this discredited lie that led to the big lie, and there's Corcoran still vouching for it. And then Corcoran goes, bull moose loony, and this has to appeal to Donald Trump. Somebody must have watched this by now and said, hey, President Trump, remember that guy who was a delegate for you? Yeah, he backed Ted Cruz originally in 2016, but he quickly came to your side 
almost like Ted Cruz himself, and now he's extremely loyal, and this guy will say anything, he'll do anything. You remember, he came to the White House, maybe he didn't meet with you, but he met with us, he talked about it on the radio several times in the lead-up, and he also went to North Carolina for that mini uh, convention we had, and he's talked about that too, and I'm sure that he came to the attention of the Trump loyalists. Hey, this guy can talk, he'll do anything. He'll say anything. And as proof of that, here he is on Lindell TV saying the election ain't over. Arizona's going to decertify. Other states will follow. And remember, Corpin also now represents John Eastman, who tried to make this happen and lead the coup. Yeah, there's a real coup. Guys on Denver Trump Radio with that bullshit coup you used to talk about when people impeached Trump for what he really did. January 6th really happened. Now we've got this guy, Corcoran. He is right there with Joe Altman, swilling the big lie. Listen to this soundbite on Lindell TV. Guide us both, because I certainly don't want to see my name added to one of those, and I don't want to say anything that would be not helpful to your case. So uh, when you say that it hasn't been seen or it hasn't gotten a hearing, this is what we kept hearing over and over with so many of these cases. It wasn't that the evidence wasn't there. It was that they couldn't get the hearing or they didn't have the standing. Or So what, what do you think will happen with yours? Well, as far as the election challenge cases, the, the, the investigation into the election is far from over. I, I think uh, I expect that Arizona will eventually decertify their electoral college votes. I expect that okay, Georgia so, will find so a way... Hold the line as an attorney, and you you, you believe that you think uh, Arizona is going to see enough and actually because we hear that, but you think they'll actually do certify? Yeah, Arizona's yeah. on fire in this regard, and uh, uh, and if one state decertifies, that will empower others. There are efforts in Georgia and Pennsylvania, uh, tremendous amounts of fraud. You know, in, in Arizona, after the the uh, Cyber Ninjas audit, even though. The mainstream press reports in it turned up more votes for Joe Biden. Well, they did find more votes. And uh, but, you know, if you're counting fraudulent votes, they're still fraudulent votes. What they don't like to report in the media is they found initially 55,000. It looks like the number's up to 80,000 just in one county in Maricopa County that are suspect ballots because they came from addresses that don't exist, places that where people don't live, people who aren't registered voters, signatures that weren't verified, just all kinds of problems. That's up to 80,000 votes in one county in a state that Joe Biden won by only 10,000 votes. And people who are pursuing these are not going away. So I'm optimistic about that. Wow. You talk about the big lie on steroids, something that will appeal to Donald Trump. Brandy Corcoran's making his move. And I don't, I, I would be surprised if Donald Trump doesn't latch on to a guy like this willing to say anything, do anything. He's proven it over and over again. And now to Joe Altman, he shows ultimate loyalty. And these guys are fast buddies. And Altman started advertising at 710 Ken U.S., if you go back, I interviewed George Brockler, go to that show. Toward the end of that interview, I asked him about Joe Altman. Interesting answers. Last week, I played Joe Altman ripping the trial judge 
Judge Moses, and he's on all these sites, even in the courtroom, I'm told he was threatening the judge. Do you know why they had six armed sheriffs in the courtroom? I've never seen anything like that, except when I had the death penalty verdict in that courtroom back in 1986. And there they were. Why? Because Coomer's received a thousand threats, and now the judge is getting threats. And why is she getting threatened? Because Oltman is talking shit against her. And so is Randy Corcoran on Lindell TV. This is really outrageous. This is a new judge, Judge Marie Avery Moses. I watched her in court. She was doing a good job. But listen to her undermined by Randy Corcoran as he goes on Lindell TV and talks to Trumpsters and people like Joe Altman. Some of the concerns um, include the fact that social media has been turned up that indicates that she, prior to being a judge, was a Black Lives Matter supporter. Now listen, a conservative judge can rule on any kind of a case with uh, liberal participants, and a liberal or left-wing judge can rule fairly on a case with conservative battles and ideas going on. So I make no judgment from that. But then you factor in a couple more things. She was brought in uh, first time as a brand new judge. One of her first cases was being assigned to this one. We had already gone through multiple steps in this case, including a 20-year trial judge ruling that this case at this stage would not have depositions, that discovery was not appropriate at this stage of the case. And in her first Uh, status conference, her first appearance in this case, at the end of the conference, she invited, she said, I know that there was an order from the prior judge saying no discovery. If anyone would like me to reconsider that order, um, I am open to doing so. So without anybody asking her, Coomer and his lawyers didn't ask her to do this. She volunteered to reconsider this order on her own. It's extraordinary. In 23 years, I've never seen anything quite like it. And of course, Coomer filed a motion, she granted it, and all of a sudden we had hours and hours of depositions. In depositions, um, all of the depositions of the parties were three hours. Uh, They were open to the public. They're not uh, sealed at all. We had to file a motion in order to get to take Eric Coomer's deposition. That was limited to two hours, and his deposition was immediately sealed, again, without anyone asking for it, by this judge. Now, to her credit, it it has been unsealed. But those things are curious to me. I don't understand why those very significant decisions get made the way they do. And wouldn't they love a case without discovery where Joe Altman won't have to sit through a deposition? Did you forget that part, Corcoran, where Altman didn't show up and got sanctioned for it? I guess that slipped your mind when you were on Lindell TV. But he's doing the bidding of Joe Altman. And he's making Coomer out to be the bad guy. You would think that Gateway Pundit would be better served, and they did have a different lawyer actually arguing in court. He's apparently from St. Louis. They need Corcoran as local counsel, and it's good money if you can make it sitting there, acting like you're working, but really just doing whatever you do on your smartphone. And there he is on Lindell TV going after Eric Coomer, who according to the evidence I heard, received over a thousand distinct threats from QAnon types. Once Altman launched on Coomer and then it was picked up by the Trump campaign, 
amplified by Peter Boyles, Michelle Malkin, other hosts at KNUS, wasn't he on Deborah Flores' show? And of course, Corcoran on KNUS had him on every Saturday, vouched for him, kind of turned over the whole station to him. The station was totally involved, but not like Donald Trump. He has a bigger megaphone. He was still on Twitter then, and he started tweeting about Eric Coomer based on this nonsense that's being perpetuated on Lindell TV by Randy Corcoran. Again, he's complaining about the special treatment of Eric Coomer. But you know, when somebody's being threatened and it's credible and the guy's had to move and the threats are there in black and white and on tapes that have been preserved, the judge is taking special precautions for Eric Coomer. She doesn't want him to get hurt and she doesn't want to get hurt. But the kind of stuff that's said by Altman and Corcoran They lead to danger for people. Come on now, you can't do that. And you can't play dumb. And you know what they say, Tina Peters and Joe Oldman? Oh, we're under constant threat. It's Antifa. We need 24-hour security. Hmm, just who is the actual threatening party? Who is threatened? Who is not? Listen to Randy Corcoran be the mouthpiece for Joe Altman, even though he represents Gateway Pundit. The better defense for Gateway Pundit is, we didn't know Joe Altman. He sold us a bill of goods. We repeated it. We're sorry. And Joe Altman's a bad guy, but here's their lawyer saying the opposite of it. And I don't know how that serves Gateway Pundit or even if they know about it. But Randy Corcoran, he's in it for Randy Corcoran. He's transactional, just like the president that he loves the cult leader, Donald Trump. It's just nonsensical, you know. Perhaps the argument as well, he says, you know, his life's been at risk. He's had to move. Well, Joe Altman uh, is a friend of mine. He had to move out. He had to leave his house at 2 o'clock in the morning when a white powdery substance was delivered. And all of the, you know, bomb squad and, and hazardous material squad had to come in his house and move everybody out in the middle of the night. Uh, I know for sure that he is having his life threatened that he is having to have 24 security 24 hour security around himself and his family i don't know if that's true with coomer or not but it doesn't seem like equal treatment to me i don't want anybody to be threatened i don't want anybody threatening joe altman or tina peters but i think that they use that maybe as justification for some other things you'll hear tina peters in a little bit but Let's not leave Corcoran on Lindell TV. I've given you the highlights, but the sickening finish with this lady who barely intervenes, asking the inevitable question at the end, hey, is there anything more you want to say? And Randy perceiving his audience, the president, the Lindell crowd, people who might send him money, just like they send money to Altman and Lindell and all these causes, the big lie causes, the grift. Listen to Randy Corcoran and the way he winds up his appearance on Lindell TV. All right, Randy, we're closing out this hour. I thank you for joining me. I know how precious your time is as an attorney. I thank you for all the work that you do. Do you have any comments for our viewers, our audience on your way out? Well, first, let me just thank you. I, I love the prayer calls that we do on Thursday. You do a wonderful job managing them. I'm, I'm so grateful for the number of RNC members who join us. Um, and until the intro of this show, I just had no idea how active
active and involved you are in a thousand different things. So thank you for what you're doing. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that um, I know Donald Trump is now opening up another media site. Conservatives and America First um, pro-life, pro-freedom folks have for a long time felt like we've got no place to go. And there's Lindell TV. There's all the other new platforms that are coming. I hear a change coming. It's coming around the bend. And Randy Corcoran is fixing to leave 710 KNUS because Peter Boyles runs that place, or he did when I was there. He's kind of losing a grip. He's losing his grip as he realizes what he's created, the monster, the wrong side that he's on. Anyway, maybe you like Trump if you're a birther and if you like bigotry and you like stuff like that, but I don't. And I'm against these guys. And Tina Peters, Scott McGinnis undressed her and she undressed herself. She went on Fox TV. Isn't it interesting that Mike Landis, who doesn't talk bad about anybody, worked for a Fox station and said, we don't want to be like Fox, but it was tough. They do that to local stations, including in Grand Junction, where some guy got the scoop, the interview on KREX, I don't remember his name, but he asked no tough questions to get this interview with Tina Peters. But I'm glad he did because it was revealing. And he asked a question that I think shows minimal preparation, but it's not bad. Boyles does it all the time. Hey, give us your short bio. And then rather than being introduced, the person's on the spot. What am I going to say? It is kind of revealing how somebody speaks about themselves. And it sure is when... That question is asked of Tina Peters, and I felt bad for her because in the process, right away, you learned that her beloved son, a Navy SEAL, died somehow three or four years ago. I don't know what happened, but my God, I'm sorry for your loss, Tina Peters. That's got to be traumatic to lose a child. Listen to the way the interview started on Fox TV in Grand Junction. For anyone who doesn't know who Tina Peters is, could mm-hmm. you just kind of give us a quick synopsis bio of, of who um, you are? I'll be happy to. I'm Tina Peters. I'm the Mesa County Clerk and Recorder. And I am. Uh, I took some forensic images of our uh, Dominion uh, software on our, uh, and now it's gone nationwide because of what we found. I'm also a Gold Star mom. My son, uh, until his death in 2017, just four years ago, was a Navy SEAL, and um, we miss him a lot. Um, And I'm also a cancer survivor. And I took office because, Logan, I love the people of Mesa County. There we go. That guy's name is Logan. And nice first question, because it was pretty revealing, and I'm sorry for her loss. There were some passwords that ended up on national TV. That's what Scott McGinnis got animated about. They were passwords for Dominion voting systems in Mesa County, and Jenna Griswold took notice, and Tina Peters was in a world of hurt. And how does she explain that on Fox? Well, she really doesn't, but it's not a big deal. You know, if your password gets compromised, just change your password. Why is everybody getting all upset? As a clerk and recorder, someone who is uh, responsible for overseeing the elections, knowing that passwords made it to the internet, what what concerns do you have over that sort of thing? Well, I don't know. Uh, I don't know which passwords or what passwords, but you know, I know that in uh, in our office, if a password's breached, 
then you just change your password, right? I mean, that's what we all do. Um, so I don't know, you know, I don't know what she's ascertaining. I don't know why she would have uh, backdoor passwords into my system. That's concerning to me. That should be concerning to every Mesa County resident. Who is able to access our machines without us knowing? There's conspiracy theory stuff. She probably learned it on Mike Lindell's private plane. Scott McGinnis undressed that part of this story, but I get a kick out of this next part because she went to that symposium in South Dakota and she uses the word vehemently in the most unusual way I've ever heard it. And she talks again about her higher ethic and she gives part of this story. Be entertained by this part of Tina Peters' story to Logan, the Fox reporter. How did this all work out where you kind of ended up in South Dakota while this was going on? No, that that was a surprise. Well, uh, citizens had been bringing me information uh, for quite some time about suspected fraud. And, um, you know, at first I'm I'm vehemently um, discounting as far as not not discounting, but questioning their claims because I'm saying, well, wait a minute. You know, we have we have this in place. We have that in place. You know, how could that happen? So I'm running these things through my mind and 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 it just it just kept coming in. People kept kept meeting with me, emailing me, calling me, uh, saying this is not right. Um, there's something there's something, you know, that's not right. So I made I made it a choice because of my position to learn. Uh, to learn and listen to them because for me the main thing uh, as the clerk and recorder as an elected official is to listen to uh, the people that put me in that position you know I don't I don't pretend to know everything and I believe there are very very smart people out there and um, and I need to listen to them and these are people that I love these are people that I serve Wow, that was revealing. Don't you think there are smarter people out there? Well, that's good self-awareness. And they know more than me. And they put me here. Is she talking about Lindell? Is she talking about Trump? Is she talking about the new Trump Republican Party? Is she talking about the people who had her on that plane and took her shopping and gave her security and put her up wherever they put her up? They got to her. And she kind of admits it right there. And maybe she's in a weakened position because of some trauma or religiosity or starstruck to power. I asked Scott McGinnis about it. He gave us the answers as best he could. But then you got this part where, just like Joe Altman, they claim that they're the ones threatened. They're the ones who are in danger. It's Antifa, don't you know? Well... I see Antifa going after buildings. I haven't seen them really go after people. I have seen the insurrectionists go after people, the people voting on the presidential election on January 6th. My God, we got to get to the bottom of it. And I think part of it flows out of Colorado. Grand Junction, Denver, Denver County, Mesa County. Tina Peters makes the case. These are people that I serve. Um, in this county. 
And so they kept bringing me more and more evidence that was just too, uh, too undeniable. And so I went to that um, to, to learn more, basically. And never having a clue what was gonna happen next. Um, and so I had packed for two days and ended up um, being swept away by security and being put in a, uh, a, a, a place that was secure because there were threats on my life. And so what I've learned is this information is not small, Logan. This information, um, as it's proving out, is showing election fraud on a very high scale. And I kind of feel like little David against Goliath at the moment. <laughs> now, now, you mentioned that you got swept away by security and put into a safe space. Is that why, uh, I believe it was between August 9th and September 16th, there wasn't a lot of Tina Peters sightings in Mesa <laughs> County? And I, I, know, I know we mentioned it earlier, it was, uh, you were certainly disappointed to hear our county commissioners saying things like, mm -hmm. come out of hiding, someone call Tina if you have her cell phone, things of that nature. Um, can you speak about where you were or, sure. or were you in fact hiding? Sure, sure. No, I was never hiding. I was in in contact with my office every day and um, I was in a secure location. There was, there was uh, l legitimate fear for my safety. Or maybe people tried to convince her that there was that fear because she seems vulnerable to persuasion. That's my impression of her. You can listen to her. You can watch her on Fox Grand Junction. I think it's Channel 5. But here's when she makes the claim that endears her to the big lie people, especially the big man, the big liar himself, Donald Trump, who loves it when she talks about 29,000 election files went missing from her Dominion machine. She doesn't know how it happened. It must have been the Internet, the Chinese, the Venezuelan. Ask Sidney Powell. Ask Randy Corcoran. Listen to this conspiracy theory, big lie nonsense it could ruin America. I've committed no crime. I took an image, a before and an after image. You know, there is no crime in that. And if I choose to have someone come in to do that, we have people, vendors and different people come in all the time to do different things. You know, I don't have, I'm the clerk. I don't have to ask permission for somebody to do that. Um, you know, if I see a real threat, it's not only my obligation, but it's my duty as the clerk uh, and in this case, to preserve election records. You, you mentioned being in there to take the pictures. Why is there confusion over whether or not one of the people in the room during that time was or was not an employee? How is there confusion over that sort of thing? You know, I, I, I don't want to get into that because it is an active investigation. But, you know, the, 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 the bottom line is what was done, thank God it was done. Otherwise, we would have no idea 29,000 election files were deleted off of the Mesa County Citizen server. We would have no idea that these, the, I've been told for years that these, um, these devices are not connected to the internet, and they are. Doodle, 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 doodle. Anyway, who backs her up? Joe Altman. I'm telling you, this Dominion story, both sides, the Continental Divide. Listen to Joe Altman talk about Mesa County as he returns to his show just this week after a big hunting trip where he bragged that he shot his limit every day. 
He's a great hunter. In fact, he told Peter Boyles it was on a hunting trip when he realized two and two together, what was it, the the Friday after the election? That's when America got saved as Joe Altman realized Dominion had rigged the election, and then Donald Trump picked up on it, and now here we are, January 6th, the divided country, a Congress where most Republicans won't even enforce a subpoena against Steve Bannon, who's also part of all of this. Bannon allegedly at the Willard Hotel on January 5th with a guy named Joe Altman, according to Seth Abramson, who published a picture of him there, and I don't think Altman's ever denied it. But he does claim, just like Tina Peters, oh, Dominion was doing crazy things in Mesa County, 90,000 files missing or 29,000, whatever it is. Come on, we're not stupid. We're Joe Altman, Max McGuire. This is Conservative Daily. We've been doing this for 11 years, but we've never had this many followers, this much power, this much access to power, this much in the way of people who will send us money because of our grift. Does Joe Altman even know it's a grift anymore? I don't know. He's a frightening character. Listen to him. He's over the top. These are not people that are being held because they did something wrong. No, they had a redress of grievances. They went to the Capitol. They wanted them to look into the election fraud, which there's mounting massive amounts of evidence. I don't want you to hear anyone say there's no evidence. There's 5,000 affidavits. There's images that show that they deleted files. They did everything. The most damning is what they did in Mesa County, which is they erased everything. They erased everything. Then you have the famous Eric Coomer saying, don't worry about it, Trump's not going to win. I made effing sure of it. So you have it all. You have all of the pieces that show. And by the way, the problem is not just Dominion voting systems. They all are interconnected. They all have people that flow from one organization to the other. It's all a part of this ability to steal or this desire to steal the vote or voice of the American people. And people want to act like we're stupid. We're not stupid. We're not stupid. If you have to say we're not stupid three times in a row, I don't know. I don't think it's smart to take on the whole Catholic world or to condemn a group or to take on the Pope as a communist. Preceding this soundbite, there's conversation about the connection of Catholicism to communism, and you'll hear Joe Altman just say that he thinks this Pope is a communist. Then he goes on to say, we got a lot of commies here, and it's a civil war, and either you're on the commie Antifa side or you're with us. Well, I'm not with you, Joe. Never want to be. I want to be in the people who are against fascism, the kind that you and Donald Trump and people like Randy Corcoran apparently have in mind. Just disgusting. What's wrong with people supporting Trump? Listen to this stuff. Listen to Joe Altman. How in the world do you have a pope that comes out and says, I want to make an argument of why we should have communism? That's an infiltration. That right there is the devil at work. And if you think that communism at any point is good for this country or any other country, I, I can promise you the only thing it's good for at this point is China creates an entire group of slave labor, entire group. Give all your money to the government. They get to tell you how much you can keep. They set up different ways or credits that you can get in order to keep more of your income and take more of somebody else's income. It's a, it's a system by which everyone sucks. Everyone sucks. And if you think that the United States can live through it, if you think you can live through it, man, they're already taking the First Amendment. 
They're making it so that we chase our tails and go put up stuff on different places. They're coming for the second. Once they take our guns away, what's left? What's left, Max? What's left? I want to know what's left. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. And that's what we're up against right now in our country. That's what we're up against. We, we're, not, we're not going to get in a civil war. We're already in it. And it's not a warm war. It's a hot war. Wait, hey, this guy's in a civil war, and he has this judge who he threatens all the time. I hope she can survive this. I mean, physically, emotionally, there's a lot going on, and it's right here in Colorado. And the thing about authoritarians, people who are attracted to fascism, they like the mob. They like mobsterism. And I talked to you about Tony Soprano. I liked watching him, but I never wanted to be part of that. I wanted to fight crime. But listen to Joe Altman in a very revealing segment of his show talk about his admiration for the mob and how they restored order. And isn't that what the Klan did? When they came to Denver 100 years ago, they said, oh, a crime was committed, we'll avenge that. We'll do things the police won't. We'll be your protection, sort of like Hezbollah did in Lebanon. But it's horrible. It's mobsterism. It leads to fascism, Mussolini. And then Hitler liked what Mussolini was doing, and he did it, and it took it to another level with his bigotry. Here's Altman out of his own mouth talking about the mob and the mafia and its utility and how it can be good. At least with the mob, when the mob was there in the 20s and 30s, you had sensibility. You had accountability. And you could say what it turned into, blah, 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 blah. And I would tell you it's better well, than they did, they did a lot of terrible things. They did sure a lot of did. terrible things. And what is our government doing to us right now? What is our government? <laughs> what is the government doing to us? I'm telling you how it started. You, if you know anything about history, the mob started to protect the people to protect the Italians, to protect the Jews, to protect the, the Slavic nations. That's why it started, right? And by the way, if it wasn't for the mafia, we wouldn't have won. There's many battles we would not have won in World War II. So not all bad. Again, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And right now, the government has become an enemy of the people. They have become compromised. <gasps> oh, he said it. Joe said it. Gosh, who else do you know with a microphone with kind of an unnatural attraction to mobsterism and mobster stories and The Godfather and this and that, can't get enough of it, conspiracy theories too? Oh, that's right, the guy who runs 710 KNUS. It's dangerous to play around with this kind of mobsterism, which can lead to fascism, which can lead to problems with guys like Joe Altman going way over the top. And he is fighting a civil war, and he's got no regard for us as he describes the battle lines as he sees it to his big audience. He may have a bigger audience than Peter Boyles. He brags about all those people in FEC United. That's true. These guys market well, and they make money at this. So you can't say it's just a podcast. Steve Bannon's podcast is so influential that all these Congress people like Ken Buck, shame on you, man. You won't enforce his subpoena. You are a prosecutor. But they're afraid that on Steve Bannon's podcast, somebody will say something bad about Ken Buck. And Donald Trump will do it. And there's enforcement, Trump enforcers. It's like the mafia. They eat their own. 
that Peter Boyle says, oh, the other side eats their own. You're the side that eats your own, man. Just like you and Corcoran are going at it. After he both amplified Altman. Boyles is off Altman now. He doesn't want to get sued. Corcoran brought him there, and I'm sure Boyles uh, bears that in mind as he distances himself from Corcoran and Altman. But the damage was done right there in November by the president and his minions. And as I've said many times, I think they realized they'd need a scapegoat when they lost the election. Dominion was a natural. They're in a lot of states, a lot of swing states. Surely you can find somebody who works for Dominion who's posted stuff on social media anti-Trump. I post anti-Trump stuff. I talk about Donald Trump in a disparaging way because I think he should be disparaged. So Eric Coomer felt the same way. It doesn't mean he couldn't be fair in his job, but they found that vulnerability. They went after him, tried to make him Antifa, tried to make him as the guy who rigged the election. I think that Altman made up that call, and any good lawyer, any good talk show host would ask him, wait, back up a second. You infiltrated an Antifa call? Was it video? Tell us about that. How did you do that? How... But nobody asked that because they were laid-down interviews. And here you get the most laid-down interview if you have your own show, which Altman does, and I guess I do too. Listen to Joe Altman and what he said at the end of his recent podcast. You have to decide. You have to make a decision on whether or not you're willing to stand up or not stand up. You have to make the decision. But if you decide to make the decision... You need to make the decision to step in the gap and walk door to door and recruit other people and then get those people to come together. And when they start fighting with each other and, oh, you know, I, I want to just, I want to go shoot people. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say we have to be violent. Now, if they're violent against us, then that's not violence. But, but what do you call what we're going through, Max? It's violence. What do you call what Antifa does? Violence? BLM, Violence? When they send riot gear on it, do you have the picture up, Max? Did you get that picture I sent to you? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I guess we can we can turn the crucifixion into a meme. We can go ahead and put it on my screen. Look, this is not a comfortable picture to look at. This is Jesus on a cross, and people are saying, I, "If I don't do this, I'll get fired." My boss told me to. I'm just following orders. He didn't do what they told him to. I have to feed my family. I have to think of my future. Go ahead, take it down. Listen, the fact that I'm subdued today is because I recognize that there's no way out without us shutting it down. And you should share it. You should say, listen, go, go listen to Joe say what we need to do and walk door to door and say, have you had enough? You had enough? You had enough? You had enough? That, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take us standing up. See, I know I have courage. With my dying breath, I will fight for you. I will stand in the gap. I will talk to you about how simplistically stupid and evil these people are. There's no other word to describe them. They're evil. These people are trash. Wow, the battle lines are drawn. I don't want a civil war. But this Joe Altman, you can hear what he's doing, what he's saying, and I'm glad to put it all together. I understand the Tina Peters situation and how it ties in to the attack on Dominion. Both sides of the continental divide. I hope you understand it better now. I'm trying to put it all together for you. And I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening to this show. I know it's long. 
I hope you liked it. I hope you liked every bit of it. A lot of effort went into it. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Bye. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show.